I'm telling you, man. I, I've said it from day one. I could have a great match with Goldberg. Professional wrestling superstar, champion, entrepreneur, author, and show host. Feeds you more interviews, more stories, more information, and more laughs than ever before. <laughs> Conversation with the big guy, Ryback, starts now. Welcome to Conversation with the Big Guy, Ryback. I am the big guy, Ryback, and this week I am joined by author of the Energy Codes, Dr. Sue Mortar. Sue, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. I look forward to seeing what we get to talk about today. So much, Sue. This is um, for the listeners out there. And I wanted to talk to you about this. It's crazy how life works out and sometimes things find you when you need it the most. And I've had a very interesting three years and in which our listeners have heard a lot of um, different injuries and things with me walking away from wrestling in my prime um, because of my injuries and being very, very, very unhappy. And the book, The Secret, for me, um, had a huge impact on my life many, many years ago when I had nothing. I'd got released from WWE when I was very young in my early 20s, um, was struggling, was, was serving at a restaurant in Louisville, Kentucky. And my buddy came in who was wrestling on WWE TV at the time and left me a $30 tip and told me to go buy this book, The Secret, because he it helped him and he, and he thought I really could use it. And uh, I went in there that day. I bought the book. I read it all in one night. I went, I bought the DVD. I watched the DVD every night. I went back. I kept rereading the book. I started, started just kind of turning my, my thought process around a lot. And then fast forward. Now we've had a whole lot in between all that. And I go to my P.O. box one day. Uh, and, I, and I go in there and I have this book sitting in there called The Energy Codes. And I've been sent books before by different people because usually I'll do a little uh, tips of the week where I talk about books and whatnot. But I have to ask, were you the one that sent this book or is this from a mysterious person? I still don't know. <laughs> it's from a mysterious person. I, I absolutely did not send the book to you. Yeah, so, because I had never met you uh, and I didn't know. something... Yeah, there's something at work here. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what that is. Well, I do know what that is, but it wasn't me that sent you the book. Yeah, and I, I, and I don't know the person who sent me the book, and it, but it had. I believe it was. I don't know if it had Simon and Schuster on on the label. It's somebody though, and it didn't have a name. Sent me this book, and I look at the book, and I've been sent books before, and usually I will read almost anything that comes my way. If it, but but sometimes I don't. Because I, as I, I, I listen to audiobooks all the time, and I turn around and I read the back of the book, and I see guys' names like Jack Canfield, Neil Donald Walsh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, Michael Bernard Beckwith, and those are the guys right there that I recognized, and I've read a lot of their stuff. Neil Donald Walsh's Conversation with God had a huge impact in my life, books one, two, and three. And these guys were all had kind of played a part in the secret, and I go, oh, wow, this book has to be interest, interesting, and and. And uh, I started reading it, and then I actually got the audiobook because with my schedule, I sometimes I'll be reading two or three books, and I listen to audiobooks a week. And I flew through it, and I'm actually on my second go around of it again um, because it is such an impactful book. I have to say, um, 
And it is, it's amazing how things come into your life. And I, I have to thank you because as positive as I am on things, I found because of your book, and I read a lot of books, your book got through to me in a different way where it made me look at myself and question myself on conversation, conversations I was having about different things with different people and that I wasn't going 100%. At, at one point I was, but somewhere along the line, it might have went down to 70 or 75% as far as my thought process and, and kind of letting a little bit of negativity creep into my life and, and not by, by on purpose by any means, but, but thank you. This book, it, I mean, I highly recommend it to everybody. You, you just have a different way of explaining things and it, it's incredible. Uh, well, thank you so much for that. And, and I have to say that the book is a thank you on my part for just this great gift of awakening that happened in my life. And, and I turned my life into just a living laboratory trying to figure out how this thing happened for me. And the only thing that was that made sense is for me to turn around and document it and, and give it back to the universe in every way that, that I could think of. And so, so it's a joy to hear that it's having this impact for you. I've been getting so much feedback like this uh, regarding the book uh, that it, it's, it's quite humbling and, and at the same time, it, I know there is, it, it is just, it's just the truth. It's just the way it, things really are. And I'm, I'm so thrilled that, that humanity is ready to take that step into realizing that we could be operating entirely differently than, than we thought we were supposed to be. And it can change so much so quickly for us. So I'm glad it's having that impact for you. I'm thrilled to hear that. Absolutely. And that's something, and, so, and just so you're aware, I've been dealing, and when I, when I left WWE, I was told that I needed a five-disc fusion in my back for five-disc that had got worn out from wrestling and a shoulder replacement. Um, luckily, we have stem cell procedures now that, that greatly have helped me um, tremendously, but I was still suffering. And I had all these other things in my life that kind of just were adding up. And uh, as positive as I would be on things, I realized it was just my energy wasn't, I wasn't 100%, I wasn't all in. And I read your book and something in me just clicked. And it, it, like it brought me to a different level. And, and that's usually what a great book will do. And I've had different ones. Napoleon Hill's Think and Grew Rich, the book, The Secret, I talked about early, many years ago. And yours is the first one in a long time that really, really has just connected with me on a deeper level. And almost in, instantaneously, Sue, my back pain that I was having, I come across a guy that has these rehab exercises doing these different techniques that the, the final back pain that I was having his techniques, all of a sudden this comes into my life. My back pain is all gone for the first time in five years. Um, opportunities, things that kind of were not happening for the last couple of years. All of a sudden I start getting emails and phone calls for different things. And it, it's almost just like, because my energy had shifted that yeah. I opened myself back up. And your book talks about all this on, on many different levels. But I wanted to ask you, for you, what's the one thing with your book that you really, really want listeners to be able to take from it? Well, you know, I think that we kind of touched on it a little bit, that when, when we are not living in our true, authentic self, uh, and we don't know it, we start making choices and decisions that we have a come from and a focus that, it, that feels earnest and feels like we're, you know, we're doing our best. 
um, but it will never allow us to experience the life that we're intended to be living. And we can't expect the mind to figure all that out, because the mind isn't supposed to work alone. It's supposed to be on a team, working with the body and the spirit, which is the breath in the body. And so when we start to meld those components of the team, the players of the team back together again, the team, of course, is stronger. And so so the one thing that I really want people to get, it's hard to narrow it down to one yeah. because there are so many different you know, aspects of life that are touched yeah. upon. But the one thing is, the one thing that would change everything is if people recognize that they are mistakenly identified as their mind and they need to learn to to train their mind to find the real version of themselves, which is this essential fundamental self that I call the soulful self in the book, and it's just the real you. And usually, when we're not operating from that place, uh, we don't know that we're not. And and as I mentioned, we, we, we make decisions that feel earnest, we make the decisions that we think are going to serve the best, or get us the furthest, or do the most for the most people, or, you know, be the best thing. And it simply never can be because it's a vibrational radio station off and we have to dial the radio onto a totally different station. And then the same amount of effort accomplishes quantumly more um, because we're on our true path. We're in our true vibration. And that's why your body heals. Opportunities come around. The path opens up for us because we've found our, our signature energetic frequency uh, that that the mind alone can't find. So, so it's a matter of learning to live not from the mind, not from the, the protective personality or the performing personality, uh, the ego self that you know can accomplish a lot, but it will never bring fulfillment to the the deepest degree and and healing and robust energy that we're supposed to be experiencing because it's it's just only a, it's it's only a fraction of who we are. So, teaching people how to make that distinction. Yeah, you talk. That was something in there, what really got me. And it just you you mentioned that we are not our bodies. That we have the the, the energy, our this energy field around us is the true us. And to me, that it just yeah. really, really rocked me because I'd realized how off I kind of was on some things. And it was that if you could find it, starts with positive thinking, I think. But you touch on so many different things in there, from meditation to breathing to the chakras. And it's, it's, there's so much information, so much to talk about, but can you talk more about that energy field that you talk about that's around us? That is the true us. Yes. So, you know, a few decades ago, we started monitoring and measuring an energy field around the surface of the human body. And science automatically assumed that it was a byproduct of the electrical impulses of our nervous system, that whenever you have an electrical current, there's a magnetic current uh, that, that occurs as a byproduct of that. And so that was just kind of the assumption. But then quantum science started discovering more and more on a smaller and smaller level that we have, meaning more and more detailed level, that we have, uh, we have so much power and, and control over our physical bodies and our physical world that we never even knew we had. But it, it started science having to look at this energy field around the body differently than it had ever looked at it before. And the way that it started realizing and recognizing that the relationship was between the energy field and the body was not that the body was creating the energy field, but that the energy field was creating the body. Yep. And so... 
So we're first an energy field, uh, and then we become a, a thickened, denser physical uh, vehicle for the essence, the spirit, this energy being that we are. So let me just back up and say that, you know, what science is saying is that everything is energy. Yep. Physical matter is just energy that's packed together. And thoughts are energies that are less packed together. They're not packed together as, as much as the energy is that makes up the desk and that's in front of you or the chair that you're sitting on, or the car that you're driving. And so, you know, we start looking at everything as energy. It begins to, it just begins to change this, this reality that we're living in. We're, we're living in this, this hologram, really. And energies are vibrating at different frequencies and it makes it look like trees and streets and cars and, you know, all of this. And so, including us. So, so what we get is that, that if we can start to I recognize that we are the energy that is, that is creating this life experience, then we start to manage ourselves in a very different way. Yeah. And we know that this energy is flowing through the body, and it's designed to flow through the body in a certain pattern. And when we have aspects of ourselves that we never developed or aspects that we shut down because we were you know, devastated by the loss of a job or a relationship or a loved one or an injury or something along those lines, what happens is in those moments, energy gets blocked or it gets, yep. it gets kind of stymied or splatted and dispersed. And, in, and unless that energy comes back intact and starts flowing through the body again, we don't have much of a chance of healing from the injury or the emotional trauma or, or the upset or, you know, some, someone coming home from war and, and trying to manage in life again uh, doesn't happen easily when their energy has been dispersed and, uh, you know, rocked in the ways that we're describing. So, so we are the energy field. We are energy. We are, you know, the spiritual world, call it spirit, that, that you're this eternal spirit. And interestingly, spirituality talks about it like, uh, you know, you're an eternal spirit that, that you know, lives forever. And, and science speaks that we're, that we're energy beings and that energy cannot be created or destroyed, meaning it lives forever. And really, they're, they're all having the same conversation, but, but we don't realize that everyone's really talking about the same thing here. We're just developing technology now to the degree that, that we can study these things and start to recognize that there's really something to this, that we can, we can choose to move energy and it will change our physiology and then it will change our lives. Because, and I'll just say this and then stop and see where you want to go next. But, but what science is showing us is that our reality is a reflection of our own consciousness, our thoughts and beliefs and the way that we yeah. perceive uh, life to be and who we are in it has no choice but to be reflected back to us. But that's, that's all that's going on here. We're walking around in a, in a 3D movie thinking that the movie's real, when actually we're creating the movie based on our beliefs and what we allow to be true for ourselves. And more importantly than just checking our beliefs, it's about do we realize that we're the light that's projecting onto the movie screen in the first place, and we're the projector and the director and the writer of the script yeah. and every other aspect of it. So we're in much more control than, than we ever learned, and we never allowed ourselves to train the mind uh, to operate in such a fashion. That's so interesting. You and you you just ended on that because I wanted to ask you this. That for me, and everyone out there that knows my story in WWE, one of the problems I really had a problem with the Sioux was um, 
I always have been a very loving, caring person and good to people. And working for the WWE and I had to walk away, it was always my dream job. I had, I've had a, had a lot of legal issues with an injury and um, being treated a certain way. And I got there and things were absolutely amazing. And that's one job. It's like, it's like being an actor and it's a little different, obviously, but um, where things got taken away at different points and I reacted positively to all those and wrote it out as long as I could. I got a lot of hate, though, from fans, and there were a lot of different lies put out there at different things. It's a very uh, different industry, I guess you could say. And I held on for as long as I could, but I noticed something happened in me. And I don't know where that energy, if I just held it all in, and then it started eating away at me. And then there was a thing that happened with me towards fans and a small portion of them where people that would hate me for things that weren't true or for, for a way that I was scripted to, to perform in a, in a, you know, in that setting. And I let it almost kind of take over other areas of my life. And it almost happened very, happened very gradually over, over many years. And that's what it wasn't until though I read your book that I realized that I was holding on and, and just to kind of summarize this, what I had done is I have millions and millions of fans worldwide that love me and that I love, but I kind of turned my back on them in a way because I just kind of tried to block everything out. And reading your book just kind of opened my eyes that, man, you know, I'm doing 50% right or 70% right, but I'm not doing, I'm turning my back on these people that love me and I'm holding on to this hate. I'm just, I'm just holding on to it. I don't know what to do with it. And I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to focus on these people and love and just just changing my energy. And it, and it took years. And it, but something from that book just clicked with me. And you talk about in there, and this just rocked me, that negative thoughts are actually denser and positive thoughts are more open. And then you also talk about how it affects our DNA, that, that love and compassion actually expands our DNA. That is so fascinating to me. Right. <laughs> right, isn't it? it? When we are focused on love and compassion and forgiveness, there, those are a, a particular radio station. Just think of it that way. There's a certain frequency associated with them. And then when we think about hate and begrudgedness and how could they and, you know, this regret or remorse or all that kind of intensity, uh, it has a different vibrational frequency associated with it. And it has an opening or a constricting effect on us at the cellular and the molecular level, all the way down to our very DNA, gets impacted by such things. And so, you know, what I love in the book about, about this is something that I call the bus stop conversation, where, where we realize that everything that's happening in our lives is happening per our request before we ever came into this life, that we requested people to spar with us or to challenge us or circumstances to bump up against us so that we could polish ourselves, so that we could refine ourselves, so that we could actually recognize and learn who we are in the face of those things. And so in actuality, what ends up happening is we can become grateful for the things that have made it the hardest for us because it was in those hardship moments that we figured out who we are. That we, that we had a reaction to it and we learned, hey, you know, I'm not this way. Just because you think I am or you think I said this or did this 
doesn't mean it's true. And so in a way, we come to know who we are because of these, these conflicts and this friction that gets set up in our lives. Because we have to remember this, we're made of energy. Yeah. Pure energy is a very high frequency vibration. And when it hits the density of physical matter in the physical world, friction is a natural byproduct. So we learn through that friction who we are. We navigate through our lives by trial and error, bumper cars that way. We bump into this, and we don't want that, so then we turn, and then we go bump into something else until we figure it out. So what I'm teaching people how to do is how to create a different perspective on what's been going on in their lives, as if it was a team of efforts that were put into place to help us wake up, and then recognize that if we can find a way to feel who we are inside our own bodies, which is something most people don't do, even premier athletes, yeah. even as high-performing as they are, you can still be performing from the personality level and not from the deep, core, guttural, soulful self. And in that situation, you'll never have as much power or endurance as you could if you were to drop into that deep, core space. And in the same time, when you do drop into that deep, core space, and I teach you how to do it in the book, right? Yep. But when you do drop into that, you start having a sense of self that is just okay. You're just good, whether they get you or they don't get you, whether they understand or they don't, whether the right thing happens or something else happens, whether what we anticipated happens or it goes completely you know, haywire, we always know it's good, it's okay. Everything that's unfolding is unfolding in my favor. It's all in my benefit because ultimately – my whole conscious being is creating this entire experience so that I can wake myself up to the greatness of my, of my being, my true being. And, and that's, that's what you're experiencing, Ryback. When, when you read the book and you started these practices and your back pain went away and your opportunities start unfolding again and you start realizing you know, that, that love and gratitude and appreciation is getting you a lot further than hate and anger and resistance and frustration, that, that it's not just a mental decision we have to make, but, but when we embody it, when we bring that decision into the body and let it cause the energy to flow more robustly, that we start living in a path that is meant to be for us. And our, and our lives start unfolding it, almost like magically. It's almost miraculous as well. Most people describe the things that start happening because they're no longer in a state of resistance. They're in a state of flow. That's what I 100% again can say that is what I am feeling. It feels like a huge weight has been lifted off of me. And, and with everything going on, I have a lot going on, different business stuff. And my it's crazy to see. I wanted to tell you this. Just my dog and people, my dog Sophie, I have a little French bulldog who's three and a half years old. Her back uh -huh. has broken four times during this the last year and a half. And it's kind of forced me to slow down. I had to stop doing my wrestling for a bit and... It's crazy to me just in, in reading this and, and my dog who had no back issues or anything and they diagnosed her with disc, disc disease and she's suffered throughout this whole thing with me and it was just so many things weighing me down on different things and I couldn't understand it and I, like I said, I always try to be positive and I'm always talking about it but I found for me that and you had in there when you talk about how we're all one. And I found for me that just by focusing even on the negatives a little bit, it had crept into other areas and that I've always been like thankful for my fans and I've always felt loving 
but I wasn't going all the way with it. And something, I don't, it just, I, it don't, it's just something, there were multiple things and it just clicked and I realized social media, for instance, social media it can be, I, I had looked at social media and I knew how important it was and how great it was, but I was focusing on all the negatives with it and because I've experienced a lot of bad on there, but everyone does, but I was focusing on it. And I realized, and by, and I, by focusing on it, I was shutting out the good and all the love. And I just, something switched and I go, I have the ability to motivate others, to, to reach out to others, to communicate with others, to show love for others. And that's what I'm going to focus on. And I don't care about all the other stuff. I'm going to block that out like I always said, but I'm not going to give it any focus. And I shifted my focus that way, Sue. And it is a huge weight has just been lifted off of me. And social media now to yeah. me is absolutely amazing with what we can do on there. It's just, you nailed it just with that. It's like this huge weight just lifted off of you. Yes, a, a totally different reality opens up. It is exactly that. You know, this, this, this energy that we're talking about, if we, talk, if we break it down to the tiniest little packages of energy, it's called a photon. And when you think a certain thought, when science creates an experiment and they create a vacuum, and it, which means you just take this glass tube and you suck everything out of it, there are just a few little randomly placed little photons, little packages of energy just hanging out um, in, inside this, this glass tube. And when you walk up to the tube and you think a thought, the photons start rearranging in accordance with your thought. And if you think a different thought, they rearrange differently. And if you think those thoughts, as we were talking earlier, it has the same effect on your own DNA. And your DNA has an effect on the environment, meaning if they just place a, a little molecule of human DNA inside that glass vacuum, it also affects the positioning of the photons. So we have an effect on our own DNA, and our DNA has an effect on our external reality. This is what we're, we're discovering. And so what it means is that when you think about and focus on the negativity from social media or the things that are happening in your life, what, it happens, what happens is it, it writes another another scene in the movie based on that same vibrational frequency. It writes another negative scene and then it writes another negative scene. And then more of that, you focus on that and then you, you have a reaction to that one and you actually create another one just by focusing on the negative. So you end up creating more of whatever it is you're focusing on. So then you got the message from the book and you were like, boom, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm just going to, I'm not willing to let the love pass me by. You know, I deserve to have it. I'm, I'm interested in it. I want it. I'm just going to focus on that. And instantly your photons arrange in accordance with that. And the more you notice the positive, the more you create another scenario of positive, the more you notice that one, it exponentially keeps building itself without you even thinking or trying to do so. It's just happening automatically because that's what this world that we're walking around in is. It's a reflection. It's reflecting back to us what we've been paying attention to on a conscious or a subconscious level. And I try to address both in the book so that people know how to get their subconscious mind on board with what their conscious mind wants to do. Because if we have too much stored in, the, in our subconscious that is negative, we can try to start thinking positively and it won't work because yeah. the subconscious messaging is overriding it. And so that's why, you know, that's spent 30 years in, in my professional life. And I grew up inside of uh, underneath the, you know, the stewardship of a, my father was a great scientist in, 
in the field of energy medicine uh, since the 70s. And so, so the, the conversation is thoroughly focused on uh, we, have to, we have to allow this reflection to, to be feedback, constantly teaching us how to refine our ability to manage our minds uh, and our hearts in, into one combined effort. And when we do that, everything, everything begins to unfold differently. Yeah. So that, what you just said right there is exactly what happened to me on no matter how positive I was being, I couldn't, I, there was just something holding me back and I, it's something weighing me down and it, and it, it makes perfect sense. Now, when I, when I hear this from you, it's just like that the light bulb has gone off. And I think for listeners too, and for people, there's so much hate and negativity out there. And, and again, again, for me, the thing that somehow clicked and shifted me was using social media and, and my surroundings with people and just focusing on love and giving love and happiness and motivation and, and something in me just instantly, it, it just resonated with me. And, it, and like I said, that weight was lifted off of me. Is that the best way? Like, cause you said, we're all one and, and how we treat others and we hold the, like we have this negative energy. There are so many things that can be, get in our subconscious is giving love, is that the best way that you would recommend from, uh, the, what's the first step for people out there that, that are really, that might be have this going on? Because I feel like it's a lot of people that, that have this problem. Yeah. And we have these, we know we have to have these positive thoughts. We, we hear it all the time. There's been book after book after it. And that's what I like about your book is you break it down and actually really help. But is giving love the first real step in that? You know it is, but I'll tell you something that gets left out of that equation is that people try to give the love out there and they leave themselves out of yeah. the mix. And so I would say it has to start with self-love. And that might have happened with you kind of automatically where you, your action of just saying, you know, I'm, I, I, I care enough and I don't want to focus on the negative. If there was an inherent message in there that was kind of like, because I want to feel better for me. I'd want my life to feel better. Uh, so that's a loving act toward yourself. And then it's easy to start giving love to other people because you're feeling the love for yourself. So self-love and doing this because you want to have a better life experience on the inside. You want it to be um, a, a, a better um, a better vibrational frequency, a better energy inside of you. When, when that happens, you automatically are more loving to other people and more kind. But I'm only going to let myself think in ways that are loving. Now, here's the thing that people dupe themselves all the time when they start trying to be positive thinkers. When they have an upset feeling about something, if they don't let themselves um, feel that upset feeling and they skip over it and try to think positively – it will oftentimes yank them right back in to the negative feeling uh, because the negative feeling never got metabolized. So there's an area in the book that I call take it to the body. And, I, and I'm teaching people to let the body show the mind what we need to do in those emotionally upsetting moments to build some more circuits for our nervous system to be able to keep this energy flowing and to keep us in flow more consistently, no matter what the circumstance is that we find ourselves in. For instance, when you're in an upsetting moment, somebody's saying something or doing something, or you read something on social media, you get an email or something happens, 
immediately there's an upset. Yeah. If you take your attention to the body instead of into your head, trying to name it or, or get back at them or defend yourself or something like that, if you take your attention to the body and let the body show the mind why you're having such a reaction to these people or this statement or this situation, and you're either going to have a tightness in your chest or a lump in your throat, or a knot in your stomach, or tension in your back, or your neck, or something's going to be talking to you physically. And if you squeeze it back and let it know that your mind is onto it, that the mind and the body are going to work together, and then you're going to breathe through that area to build the circuits, and I teach you how to do that in the book, that, that are going to allow you to stabilize this energy instead of this energy becoming so reactive And because when it gets this reactive, we step out of flow, we disperse, we splat our energy again. And the next thing you know, you know, we're living defensively and protectively and in a guarded fashion where there is no joy and there's no peace and there's no love uh, in the in those vibrations. So so the thing that I'm trying to say is that if you're having a negative feeling, it's important that you let yourself have that negative feeling, but that you don't stay there and live there forever, but that you rather you metabolize it and you work with it and you let it teach you why this situation is occurring in your life. Because the situation is occurring for a reason and yeah. the reason is in your favor. It's not trying to beat you down. It's trying to show you your magnificence. It's trying to show you your bigness. But if we don't have enough circuits in place to perceive it that way, we don't. And we misperceive it, and then we're off to the races, you know, in a negative way. So we have to learn to embrace whatever it is that we're feeling and do it in an instant so that it doesn't take years to dwell in that feeling and stew in it before we ever get sick of feeling it and then decide to, you know, have a better life. We can do it in an instant and move on constantly learning, even if we don't know what we're learning in the moment, we start feeling better, opportunities start happening, life turns and moves in a positive direction, all because we're not judging ourselves or pushing an energy away. We're embracing it, letting it all be valid and letting it be good because we're not afraid of it anymore. And we're going to let it burn itself, you know, into something productive inside of us, moving the energy back into flow. And I was going to, so I feel like in, with listeners too, with social media too, because I think this is so important and we're learning so much about this. And I know for me, I take it very personal. I always have when, when people, and I usually always just would block people out when that happens. And I've tried and I've responded with love at different, I've tried many different things, but for the listeners out there listening and, you know, if I get a hundred comments and it's, I, you know, thank you, you're great, I love you. And then I get one comment that it's just, just somebody being, you know, just completely negative and vicious and, and attack, attacking. And I see that message. That one message, Sue, always bothers me more than the hundred good ones as far as how, why is that? Is that is, now what am right. I doing wrong on that? Is that normal? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's, I hear it thousands of times. You know, I teach, I teach and speak to hundreds of thousands of people. And, and it's probably one of the most common questions for the sincere, the one who's really digging in and wanting to, to start to take a deep look, they, that, that question becomes inevitable because it, you know, with all these efforts in the positive direction and all the feedback in the positive direction, how could this one negative thing yeah. have so much power? And it's a polarized energy and it's in your life it, at that moment for a perfect reason. It's showing up right on time so that you have an opportunity to 
take a stand for yourself, even in the face of that, 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 that it has such a polarized energy could pull you off of your core more easily. And it's here to help you learn how to build the circuitry to stay in the embrace and to remember this is just a movie that I'm watching and it's and it's and I'm writing and I'm creating and I'm projecting the movie onto the movie screen and I've written this movie to teach myself how to find my own magnificence and the only way that's going to actually happen is if my magnificence gets challenged every once in a while and and I have to see how authentic I am being with loving myself I have to find the deep core spaces that still hold doubt and as long as I have some deep corners in there that are still holding the doubt, I'm going to continually, you know, from the super conscious or from the subconscious, I'm going to create this one person that's going to say this one thing that's going to have the potential to knock me over because that's a reflection of what I'm doing to myself on the inside. So the outer world is just reflecting back to us yeah. what we're doing to ourselves on the inside. And when we're no longer willing to do that, it stops. When we start to love into the places that used to be self-doubting and self-loathing and self-questioning and all that, then those external issues don't happen anymore. Or if they do happen, it makes us smile because we realize, oh, there's still a little something in there that I'm working on loving myself a little bit more than I, than I knew that, that I hadn't. So it's this constant discovery process, and and it's supposed to be working in your favor, even when the one person you know throws you know slams a post the big thing up there that says what it says. If you can look at it and love them compassionately for having to lash out at you, realizing how much pain they must be in yeah. in order to have to operate like that, it actually develops your compassion and develops your stewardship as the as the true leader that we're uh, that we're all meant to be, and that you're obviously actively being uh, in your life. So, so it's right on time and right, and it's perfect. And it, and it keeps us always refining and always deepening our understanding of, of who we are and our capacity to love. Would you say, Sue, with that, and, and, and to kind of just keep this on social media for a second, I've noticed since yeah. everything's kind of just shifted in me, those, those messages have slowed down tremendously, and, but they still, they still arise and it's going to happen. Um, as far as blocking people and things of that nature... Do you think is that that's the correct way to handle that? Because I feel like a lot of listeners, a lot of people deal with this on a, you know, on a daily basis out there. And even giving love, it doesn't always, as far as that person, what they're going through, I completely agree with you. It's reflection on what's going on with them too. Is blocking them the answer on that? Or is there just letting it go and not allowing yourself to even get caught up in it at all? Yeah, you know, I think if it's an overwhelming status, if it's happening in an overwhelming way in somebody's life, it's important that you that you clean house and you put up yeah. some parameters. But I'm not really interested in anybody protecting themselves forever because the world gets smaller and smaller for you if you're having to protect yourself from every negative situation out there. Rather, if we see ourselves as this blazing bonfire of love that can transmute anything that comes in its path, and that, uh, you know, fire is the element that can't be polluted. You know, you can pollute water, you can pollute air, uh, you know, these kind types of things, but, 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 and you can pollute the earth, but fire is the transmuting quality that purifies things. And so we're actually made of that. Consciousness is fire in a body. And so we are fire in a body as energy beings in a body. And so 
what we want to realize is that when I'm anchored in my core and I'm breathing in my power the way I'm teaching people how to do in this book, we have the capacity to transmute anything that comes our way. And so you're getting all these posts on social media. It's attacking you. It's doing this. Hey, if it's overwhelming, you just you get to you know you get to turn off the movie projector and have, send everybody home yeah. and tell them to come back. You know, in a little bit, you'll have a new movie running to get yourself together, and then do the practices in the book so that you're really grounded and integrated and empowered in yourself. And then you turn on the movie lights again, and uh, and then you let people into your universe that are vibrating at the frequency that you choose to be vibrating at. You know, if the negativity is happening, it's the universe telling you it's time for you to change how you're operating on the inside. And that will allow you to be strong enough to to operate differently on the outside. And then people will line up to who you are and not allow uh, and not allow that kind of chaotic, you know, exchange to be happening. And so ultimately, the answer would be you don't have to block them all. You don't have to do that. You just let it come and go. You comment not in a not in a rhetorical way or not in a in a um, combative way that you react to them, but you, you climb up to a higher perspective and you speak to it for, in a non-judgmental way. You speak to it in a compassionate way, and then you just keep going. So you notice these things for a minute and a half, and you just use them to your advantage to, to grow and to share the growth and to lead others, to, to let them observe how you handle such things, and to let yourself feel it authentically inside uh, and be be loving and proud of yourself that you're not willing to get down in the you know down in the mud and wrestle and wrestle uh, in 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 a in that fashion. And at the same time, um, you're not you're not going to be a doormat either, right? Yeah. So there's this balance that's very important. And I I do try to speak to that in the book so that people have a a way of walking through it in a in a fashion that lets them be strong and clear and not have to hide or protect or guard. But but also, they don't have to take on more than they can handle in any given moment. You know what it's like. You make a decision yeah. to stop for a bit and take care of your dog because it matters, right? Yeah. You yep. do what matters. Absolutely. And, and the rest takes care of itself. Nut makes perfect sense. It, I want to actually talk to, touch on in, in about the, for the listeners, your breathing in, in meditation. Um, but I, first, I wanted to ask, because there was something else in the book, the energy codes that I got that was really, really that even, and I've heard it, read this over and over again, but the wanting versus the having mindset. And just if you could elaborate a little bit on that uh, for the listeners on just what the difference between the two, because I feel like this is something that a lot of us all experience all at different, it doesn't matter what level we're at. I feel like everybody kind of experiences this. Can you elaborate a little more on that, on how do we kind of go from that wanting mindset into, into the ha- to having the having mindset, living that? Absolutely. Yeah, so I talk about it from a vibrational energy, from the, the way energy feels is the way that we start to master this. If you think of something that you really want and you get really caught up in it, like you're all focused up on it 100%, you're in it and you're, you're dreaming it and you, 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 you think about how it would affect your life and how things would go and you just you really want this. If you take your attention into your body when you've spent even 30 seconds thinking about that full steam ahead, thinking about how much you want it, and you take your attention to the body, you're going to notice energy feels a certain way in your body when you're up in this deep desire, this wanting, really want it. And then if you imagine having it, that it's already happened, that it's here abundantly, 
that your life has been this way already. It's a description of your life. It's not a desire. It's already existing. And you notice how that feels. There's a very different energy flowing through your body when you start to think in those terms. So it will become obvious that it's two different radio stations. And the radio station of having is a much more abundant radio station than the radio station of wanting. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't aren't supposed to have desires or want things, but the moment that you land on wanting it, the moment that you identify what the goal is or what the desire is or what it is that you would choose if you could have it any way that you, you, you could, the moment you decide that or it lands in your awareness, that now it has wanting has served its purpose. Wanting it after that actually keeps you from having it because one of them is one radio station and the other is a different radio station. So the moment that you identify what you want, hallelujah, get clear on it and then get busy practicing having it because the having it is the radio station that makes you the vibrational match energetically to its existence in your immediate life experience. So if you stay caught up as the one who's wanting, you might touch it, but it won't stay. It won't be sustainable. It'll slip right through your fingers because you're not vibrating at the frequency of having already arrived at that. And so it can't be driven by your mind. It has to be felt in your body. So you have to imagine it in your body, breathe as though it's already existing, notice where in your body there's a charge about it, and squeeze that area back and start breathing up and down the central channel that I describe in the book in great detail and teach you with video links that you can go to and watch how to do these things and and get it down so that you're flooding your body with the vibrational energy of what it would be like if you had already accomplished that goal, that dream, that desire that is occurring to you. We have to, de- you know, if the delicate, it's like driving a, a high performance car. You have to know exactly when to let up on the gas just enough to push on the clutch, just enough to shift the yep. gear, just to press back on the gas without losing a single, you know, smidgen of energy. You want it, you want that power working to your advantage while you're delicately learning how to collaborate these energies of desires and having and working with the body instead of just expecting your mind to do all the answers, to, to come up with all the solutions on its own. If our minds could solve all of our problems, we would have solved them by now because we certainly have thought about them enough, right? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) There's there's more to the picture, and that's what I'm trying to bring forward with the Energy Codes book. (laughs) And and I think right there you said, and this is where I wanted to go with this, was the breathing. Um, Breathing is something I think for a lot of people, I think we just sometimes just take things for granted. And I've come across numerous different books on breathing and for the longest time, I actually could never even breathe through my nose all my whole wrestling career because it got broken my first year and I didn't get it fixed until I left a few, three years ago, which made a world wow. of difference for me being able to finally breathe through my nose for the first time in my adult life. And it was, wow. I'd realized just how shallow I was a mouth breather, but I was also a shallow breather. And I, since yeah. I, at different times, I do like I have a routine where Usually it's when I'm in, when if I'm sitting in the hot tub or if I'm in the shower, when I'm nice and relaxed, I go through all my daily affirmations and kind of have a little routine that I've came up with over the years. I go through some breathing things usually then to, to really focus on it. And it's helped me a lot. 
But breathing, that's something I wanted to talk to you about for our listeners, because I feel like they hear this and they, they don't, where do they start with all of this? What do you, I know you mentioned in, yeah. in the book, morning and night before your feet touch the ground and when you go to bed. And I thought that was great to yeah. get you on, get you going. What would your advice be for them to, to start learning about proper breathing? You bet. So yeah, the reason I say, you know, at night when you're falling asleep and in the morning before your feet hit the floor is because, you know, there's not a lot of other stuff you have to be doing in the night, right? In the bed, you're there, mm-hmm. you're chilled out, nobody's calling you, nobody's texting you. Hopefully you've got the phone far enough away from you that you can actually, you know, relax and yeah. and, and move into a different world. And in that uh, is when the conscious and the subconscious are in closest communication with each other. So, so this trap door between the two is open and we have an ability to imprint these efforts in our subconscious much more quickly, much more quickly, much more efficiently, shaving years off of our efforts if we do this. So, so then you focus on breathing up and down the central channel. So it's just this scan that you're doing up and down the center of the brain, through the center of the throat, through the, through the heart, through the, through the solar plexus where if you got punched, it knocks the wind out of you, yeah. down into the gut and to the tip of the spine and out, out your feet. Following your you breath in and out feet, essentially, correct? Yeah, yep. yeah, but then you trace it up and down the whole body so that the whole body gets to uh, can contribute to the vibrational frequency that your mind is tapping into because different chakras and different energy centers, they correlate with different parts of your consciousness, and they all have different vibrations associated with them. So if you'll use the body, it'll take you on a tour right through those vibrational frequencies. So that's why I teach people this central channel breath from above the head down through the brain, chest, belly, you know, pelvis, legs, feet and out the end of your feet, and then breathe in from the bottoms of your feet and up through your legs. And so the book will teach you how to do that stuff. But it, it is just so important in, in terms of belly breathing, not in your upper lobes of your lungs, but breathing below your navel. Yeah. You've just practiced breathing below your navel. There's so much more power. The power of the nervous system is involved. The power of fight or flight exists in the upper lobes of your lungs. The power of your deep core wisdom and strength is in the lower lobes of the lungs. So the lower you breathe in your belly, the more you tap the vital force. Number one, you oxygenate your bloodstream better. Number two, number three, you're activating the parts of the nervous system that calm you down and bring you into your wholeness and your creative genius instead of just being, you know, fighting the bear all the time. Uh, So tremendously important. Belly breathe, breathe up and down the whole central channel and and get to know those four anchor points that are in the book, which are, you know, this anchoring at the at the base of the pelvic bowl, anchoring by squeezing your shoulder blades together a little bit, breathing in the belly, uh, rolling your eyes up so that you can feel the tension behind your eyes, and imagine that there's a plumb line dropping right down through the center of your body from right behind your eyes, right down through your core. There is a plumb line. That line is the most potent energy that you possess. And it's been, it's been, you know, thrown in the trunk and left, left behind. It's been thrown under the bus. It's totally not even known by most people. And so when we bring our attention there and start cultivating that energy, you know, the, the ancient Eastern tradition says it gives you the power of a thousand suns in the sky. The, the power that the sun has a thousand times is the power that we possess truly at our deep core uh, essence. And so... It's about learning, teaching our brain to come to our mind, rather, teaching our mind to come home to this deep core space. So breathing in the belly, and I, I teach all kinds of different breath work for different chakras, for different levels of consciousness to come online so that we can think and behave differently automatically without having to try to, 
to force our thoughts to be more positive. They just become more grounded automatically and integrated. And there's a deep sense of joy that rises up inside of us when we do that. And physical healing power and the power to be super clear in your thoughts, etc. It all comes from this. So, so to start with, I'd say these four anchor points, this, you know, at the base of the pelvic bowl, uh, just at the tip of the spine and the pubic bone, uh, for, for ladies, it would be a Kegel exercise. And for everyone, it would be if you were going to the bathroom and you had to stop the stream in an instant, you just had to squeeze and stop the stream. Right there, the muscles that make that possible to do, right in the perineum, yeah. those muscles, when you contract them, they anchor your energy deep in the core of your body. You'll be stronger. You, your endurance will be will elevate. I've had, I've had endurance uh, athletes that that just start working with this root lock that I'm describing right now, breathing up and down the central channel that I'm talking about right now, and shave all kinds of time off of their performance runs, triathletes, adventure racers, all kinds of things like that, as well as the precision of uh, tennis players and golf players, all of them increasing their endurance and their their clarity and their precision uh, by coming home into their bodies instead of just living in their heads all the time. And so breathing our way into that is is how we do it. There's a breath work in the book that teaches you how to cultivate wisdom, one for your personal power, one that is integrating and stirring love in the body and in your life, the heart resonance breath, one that is for manifesting, one is for the visualization capacity that we are inherently designed to have that many people have shut down because they just overthink and they overworry and they overfret. And so it's it's and then another breath work that's that's all about really knowing yourself as as a true energy being or a spiritual being that's that's here connected to nature and connected to God and meant to be and all of that that is supposed to be in in a perfect alignment for us if we just we just we we were not raised uh, you know in this way and yeah. the indigenous peoples were and we're a far cry from that Absolutely. in our world right now connected to our computers and our social media and the media in general. All of it has just pulled us out of ourselves. Distracted pulled us. Pulled us off center. Yeah. Yep. Just splatted and dispersed and distracted us. And so this book is just teaching people how to come back home to themselves. Yeah. No, it, it, it's <laughs> helped me more than you will ever know. The, oh, it, so glad. In there, I wanted to ask you this and what your thoughts on this and, and to kind of bring this home. On meditation, what are, what are your thoughts? Because for me... I've used from something that's actually helped me tremendously is I, I don't, uh, Bill Harris, who's uh, unfortunately passed away a while back, but uh, from Holosync, he was I got him from the book The Secret, and when I discovered that, I, that's when I kind of got I'd always heard about meditation, but using those audio soundtracks, and I've graduated, I've finished the highest level, which I still do every day, um, but I found even for me that with a lot of like the audio meditations. I would find myself, like I'll oftentimes listen to one while I work out even because I'm focused, I'm not looking at my phone as much, but I found sometimes with those, my phone would be near me and I would be, I would get distracted. I was curious on your thoughts on, on for beginners or as far as meditation goes, and I've heard different things from five, 10 minutes and just really, really trying to quiet your mind. What are your thoughts on the audio meditations and are those beneficial if you can truly just kind of tune out everything? Um, ask the last part of the question again. It, my phone cut out just a second in the last so, sentence. The audio, as far as the audio meditations go, are you, are you, uh, yeah. do you think those are beneficial with everything as far as in a meditation program? I was just curious on your thoughts yeah. on those. Yeah. 
so the meditation piece is is so important. The reason meditation is important is for us to realize that we are not our mind. That's the main purpose for meditation, is to make a distinction between who you are and your mind. Because your mind has been running so rapidly your whole life, you just think that's the way things are. Yeah. It's like the fish doesn't know it's in water because it's always been in water. And so we don't realize that we're attached to our minds and our minds are running our lives and until we have a distinction. If you take the fish out of the water and throw it up on the bank, now it knows the difference. So if you can unattach from the mind, you'll know the difference, and the mind will never run your show. It will never run you quite as completely as it ever did before. Uh, the, the more and more you meditate, the more and more mastery you have over the mind. So meditation is about recognizing there's a difference between who I am and what I think. There's a difference between who I am and any thought that is happening right now. So, so it's so important for that. And then it's important to spend time each day not thinking. So yeah. you have to be awake, lucid. You can't be asleep. You have to be awake yeah. and not be thinking. You just have to be sitting there, not thinking. So when a thought starts to come, you just say, you know, not now. I'm just not going to finish that thought. Yeah. You just interrupt it. A pattern interrupt is a great way to start the process. Then start breathing in your belly. And this mula bandha, contracting those muscles at the, the root lock that I was describing earlier, that, that if you were going to the bathroom had to stop the stream, that at the muscles at the perineum, the base of the pelvic pole, if you just gently keep them contracted just a little bit, um, just you know, like squeeze it with everything you've got, then relax by one half, then relax by one half again, right about there, if you just have that amount of tension right there at the base of the tip of the spine and you start breathing in your belly, your mind is now focused on keeping that contracted and it's following your breath. And when you give it those things to do, it's not going to be thinking. It's going to just be present with its, its simple job. Or you might light a candle in front of you and just stare at the candle flame yeah. while you're doing this mulabanda root lock and breathing in your belly or breathing up and down the central channel. And don't let your mind go off of the candle. You just sit there and the, a thought will start and you just say, not now, later. We're going to do that later. So you're basically training your mind that it doesn't get to act like a four-year-old coming in the room screaming and throwing things and making everybody pay attention to it. It gets to like sit down and have its rightful role because if it runs out of control, it's the one that allows us to get carried away and all upset with the things that happen in social media or in our relationships or at work or whatever the case may be. And it just doesn't get to have that role in your life anymore. It's like, no, you don't get to do that. You get to grow up. Yeah. So in that – uh, that it's a it's a very helpful thing. Now, there's another thing someone can do to try to start with meditation, and that's to repeat what's called a mantra, which is just a a, a, ver, a verbiage, a, a word, a statement that that takes a grand neutral type of effect and places it in the mind field, like Satnam or or Soham or Am or Om, or it could be God, or it could be I Am. Or it could just be ma. It could be anything uh, that is a sound. If it has a vowel in it, it, like an O or an ah, it's likely to be more soothing to your system faster because it opens up the system, opens up the cells, opens up the DNA. It's the vibrational frequency of uh, you know relief. Like we go ah, at the, yeah. you know, after we accomplish something, it's it's all vibrational. So if you, you got the candle going, you got the breath going, you got the root lock happening at the tip of your spine, you got some belly breathing happening, 
And maybe you repeat a mantra, because if you repeat the same word over and over and over and over, eventually you're going to kind of trance the mind. Yeah. And, and you might be sitting there with your eyes closed, and you're repeating this mantra, and then pretty soon you realize, oh my God, I wasn't saying it. And you start saying it again. In that moment between the time you stopped saying it and the time you realized you weren't saying it, you were actually meditating. You were lucid, you were awake, but you weren't thinking. The mind was completely still. And that's a beautiful thing. So, so just doing that for 10 minutes a day, it, it, will, it will start to change you. And if you can get up to 20 minutes, it will change you dramatically. I've heard you know, this, Some yeah. of the biggest meditation researchers uh, in, in the East and then the, those that brought it to the West, Maharishi and, and some of my teachers, Majaya Sati Bhagavati, and, and teachers that, that have been uh, teachers to some of the great minds in our, in our world. Uh, Neem Karoli Baba, Steve Jobs went to Neem Karoli Baba before you know, his, his great revelations, etc. And all of this was about learning how to train the mind to do what it's supposed to be doing rather than what it's used to doing, like this runaway train, just, just rattling all the stories and the drama and all that stuff. And it, it keeps us from ever using the mind for what it's actually meant to do, which is to tap our own deep creative genius. And so meditation is a great way to start to do that. And the great way to start meditating are these things that I've just mentioned. Light a candle, look at it. Yep. Follow your breath, slow your breath down as much as you can. Breathe as slowly as you possibly can and keep it consistent. And, uh, and, and sit, look at a candle, um, follow your breath, maybe you repeat a mantra. All these things are designed to just still the mind, just trance it so that it's not so active. And then it will let, it will let this other wisdom rise up from inside of you that has been trying to get up and out since the day you were born. And we were not raised in a culture that lets that happen, and so yeah. we suffer quite a lot, and I we don't agree. have to. I agree yeah. completely. And Sue, I, I do want to say, too, that another thing that in this book that, that really, really got through to me, too, was that you said everything that happens to us is for our betterment. And that was one of the things that helped me kind of transition and have that aha moment for me, too. Um, so I want to thank you again for just putting uh, such great information in this book uh, that has gotten through to me uh, greatly with that. But I do, I always like to ask everyone on these interviews, if when we close these out, if, if there's just one piece of advice, and I know it's, it's really hard, there's so many that you could give to our listeners yeah. just for life, just one piece of advice that you can give them to kind of go home on, what would that be? Yeah. You know, the thing that's had so much impact with majority of the people that I have uh, been working with over the last decade and a half is is to, to, to really let it deeply sink in that there is nothing broken, there's nothing missing, there is nothing wrong. There is only support here for you to awaken to your greatness. If the support that you wanted wasn't there, it was because you didn't need it. And by it not being there, it was what allowed you to step into your greatness uh, at the end of the day. And so if we recognize that we are whole and complete exactly as we are, and we allow ourselves to trust that and move forward from that place, from the inside out, life has no choice. The photons, they have no choice but to arrange in accordance with what you're commanding from the inside out. You just have to command it from your gut and from your heart and not just your head alone, yeah. and the world will fall into your favor. I love it. Sue, yeah. I know you're, uh, you're Dr. Sue Mortar on Instagram, where people could follow you, correct? 
Yes. And then yes, and uh, and a website, drsuemorder.com. Okay, and the energy code is that the best place to send people for the book? Yeah, uh, Dr. Sue Mortar, M-O-R-T-E-R. It's D-R-S-U-E-M-O-R-T-E-R dot com forward slash order the energy codes. You can order it right from our website and you get extra classes and meditations and things like that if you want to get it from my website. But you can also go to Amazon and, you know, you can pick it up. You can pick it up anywhere. Barnes and Noble, uh, Books a Million, all those websites have it. But um, but you can if you get it from my website, you, you get some extra stuff, too. But. Uh, however and whenever the idea is get it, listen to it, read it, whatever, and start using some of the, some of the practices in there. Absolutely. Sue, I, I thank you deeply. It, it has been an honor to be able to just sit here and talk to you. And, uh, I, I appreciate you very, very much. My great pleasure, Ryback. And thank you so much for what you're doing in the world. It's very, very, very important. And, uh, and your energy is fantastic and I know that you're having a very big impact on lots and lots of people. And I thank you for staying in the yes with your own life, because that's really the only way we can actually be a true leader is to walk what it is that we're trying to share with people. And I can hear it in an instant. It's, one, it's been one of the more, more enjoyable interviews that I've had in a long, long time. So I appreciate you and what you're doing. Thank you very much. So that means a lot. Thank you, Dr. Sue. And guys, yeah, we're going to be absolutely. right back after these messages. What's going on, guys? It's the big guy Ryback here to talk to you today about betonline.ag. That's right, betonline.ag. Now, personally, I'm not a big betting man, but if I was, I would be going to betonline.ag. Whether you're a baseball fan, hockey fan, baseball, whatever the sport, you can can put all your bets on betonline.ag. I was personally rooting for the Vegas Golden Knights here uh, to go all the way to win the Stanley Cup uh, championship. And unfortunately, that was uh, in our second year in existence. Uh, we're 0 for 2, but uh, another hell of a season. And uh, I'm really rooting for the Knights to hopefully hopefully make their way back next year. We will see. Go figure that Vegas has become a, a hockey town. But no matter what your sport is, no matter what your team, if you like placing bets, you got to check out betonline.ag. All you need to do, guys, is go online or use your mobile phone to sign up today at betonline.ag and try their in-game live betting where you can participate with all the action with every play. Use promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag. You've heard us talk about Real Good Foods before on the podcast and just how much I love their Real Good Pizzas and Enchiladas. Now Real Good Foods also has their new poppers, which are a super low-carb cross between a chicken nugget and a jalapeno popper. All of their foods are low-carb, grain-free, gluten-free, and keto-friendly. Most items have as low as 3 to 4 grams of carbs per serving. From their chicken crust pizza, enchiladas, cauliflower crust pizzas, snack bite pizzas, and poppers, you can't go wrong with anything from Real Good Foods. All items are available at realgoodfoods.com, on Amazon, and in retail locations all over the country, with a store locator on their website. Save 10% with discount code RYBACK off of realgoodfoods.com. Real Good Foods. Feed me more. All right, we are back. 
Time for the Pro Wrestling Report with Ryan Satin. The Big Guys Wrestling Report with Ryan Satin. Brought to you by Pro Wrestling Sheet. Fresh off of a Limp Biscuit concert, I believe. <laughs> What's going on? Hell yeah, dude. That's awesome, man. I have been wanting to see Limp Biscuit since I was a little kid. I love I never... Limp Biscuit. But thank you. I'm, I mean, everyone loves Limp Bizkit, but they always people pretend to hate them. Limp Bizkit was awesome. Yeah, I so and like I'm a '90s guy. I saw the. I mean, as soon as I saw you, we're at Limp Bizkit, I was just like that song "Highway," "My Way" or "The Highway" is one of my all-time yeah. favorite wrestling songs because they've used it in WWE too. At different Hell point, yeah. I can listen to that song. I remember listening to it in Deep South Wrestling. My first year just driving, being like really miserable from training, but like that song would come on and I'd be like, I'm going to do this my way. Just... <laughs> I... Oh no, the, the fact that they played my way, I honestly, I wasn't expecting them to play my way. Really? Uh, I just, I don't know. Cause they only had, the whole thing was, um, it was at K-Rock's Weenie Roast and they, it's like an annual thing out here in Southern California. It's like the biggest rock station and they, they already had the lineup. 311 was closing. They had like Love 311, yeah. Were, yeah, 311's awesome. Yep. And they they were closing, but some you know, the other bands were kind of weak. And I think uh Jensen Carp, he kind of he mentioned on the air that they something about Limp Bizkit and how Limp Bizkit should play the show. And somehow it became this like online movement to get Limp Bizkit to play the show and it just kind of like snowball affected. And so finally the last second Limp Bizkit agreed but they had a shorter set because of it. Okay. It was like a last minute edition and they had an out time. They already had bands booked and all that kind of stuff. So they came out and they were only able to play like a handful of songs. They played like a 30 minute set, something like that. But it was awesome. Like I've always, they, it, it's crazy. They still bang, dude. They, they like, they had that crowd going like they were, they were awesome. He they, was they, they at one great. point, the biggest thing I feel like, like, or, or up there. Like it's, me, Jamie, I went with my co-host Jamie Ivey, one of my good friends, yeah. and he, we were talking about that on the drive home, uh, just like how big Limp Bizkit used to be and how it's crazy to me how big they used to be, and then suddenly they became like a joke where you weren't supposed to like them, where you had to like like Limp Bizkit in secret all of a sudden, when I, I've always, I like, Limp Bizkit's awesome to me. Like, yeah. I don't know why people hate on Fred Durst. This is like, probably why we get along. We both like Limp Bizkit. This is, it's, <laughs> it, as this relationship grows, we're finding out more and more 311 Limp Bizkit. It's... Yeah, kindred spirits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and Limp Bizkit, Limp, or, uh, Fred Durst, he's still a wrestling fan. You know, he, uh... Oh, is he? he? I didn't even know that. He, oh. so, so Jamie, you know, as you know, Jamie is Jimmy Iovine's son, yep. and, uh, they used to be on uh, Limbiscuit used to be on his label, Jimmy's label, and yeah. so Jamie like grew up with Fred Durst, and so one time uh, we had Fred Durst on our podcast uh, on Wrestling Sheet Radio to talk about just wrestling and the times when he worked at WrestleMania and stuff like that, yeah. and uh, it was awesome. Like he's still a wrestling fan, like. He was talking to us about who, which wrestlers he's still into. I mean, it was a couple of years ago now, but it was like which wrestlers he's still into, and like Man. you know which companies he's watching. It was, it's crazy. He's awesome. Like he's still a wrestling fan, and that's great. He still rocks it. Yeah, I'm have to get him on the podcast. That's oh, he, he would probably he he might do it. He's low key. He's still a huge wrestling fan. Yeah. I, I don't think people understand. I don't think people realize that. But I feel like he could awesome. be big again too if they start going out and touring again. Like. Well, in the UK, they're huge still. So, like, in Germany or, yeah. like, in the UK, like all, all in Europe and stuff like that, they still play to, like, huge sold-out, like, yep. giant festival crowds and stuff. So, I mean, 
you know, they, they still have money. They still, they're still doing Absolutely, well. Absolutely, yeah. And now that they're all back together, like DJ Lethal, Wes Borland, they're yeah. all they're all the, the old school lineup back together again because they had a little bit of, I think, uh, Wes left for a while, yeah. DJ Lethal left for a while, but uh, now they're all back together. It's awesome. It's like, it's like being brand Limp new Biscuit again. Talk. Yeah, man, that's great. <laughs> this has been Limp Bizkit Talk with Ryback, Ryan said. <laughs> Undertaker's best theme still outside of the dead man, the Undertaker, that with the Roland music. It would be hard not to get pumped up when that hit. When he played Roland, when he played Break Stuff, oh man, I yeah. was just like, oh yeah. Like there's like a there was like a mom too, like an older mom in front of us, and she was just like <laughs> hands up, going all crazy. And then she turned around after, I want to say after Roland. Because the Lumineers played before Limp Biscuit, yep. which is the weirdest opener for Limp Biscuit, because they're like a piano and they make you want to go to sleep. And so then Limp Biscuit's getting everyone going crazy, and she turns around and she was like, "I was waiting for this to start banging, like <laughs> hell yeah!" And we were like, "Yeah!" And then we, it was awesome. So yeah, oh, it was a good man. concert. But good segue there, since you mentioned the Undertaker. Uh, the biggest story I think going on right now, and and. And just in general, like the Saudi Arabia show is obviously what most of my news is about today because it yeah. just happened uh, on Friday. But the biggest story coming out of that was Undertaker versus Goldberg. I think um, everyone was anticipating how this match was going to look. I don't think anyone was expecting it to kind of be a good match because they're both not full time guys and just. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's not like Goldberg has been putting on the you know the, the these quality matches since he came back or anything like that. Um, and even you know Takers had some rough ones you know the last time they were in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So I think they had all eyes on them. And unfortunately, it was about what everyone expected uh, it, it was going to be. I think um, it wasn't it wasn't the best. I, I will say this much: the the opening, I was hyped. Like them coming out, yeah. I was hyped. When Goldberg did the like, you know, the, the the throat thing, I was hyped. I was like, hell yeah! Even the first few minutes of the match, they had me into it. I was going for a little while, um, but I think they just went a little too long. I think they went a little too long, and they tried a little too much. And also, I mean, Goldberg said after the fact, you know, when there was the spot where he went to kind of spear uh, Undertaker, but instead he went into the turnbuckle and he went head first into the turnbuckle post, and it knocked him out. He started bleeding. He got knocked out. Um, and that's really when the match started to uh, to go downhill real fast. Yeah, so nothing but respect to those guys in on that situation. And it, it's a tough at their age and the going over there and being put in the main event. Um, I was really curious on what kind of match they were going to have if they were going to go for that short, shorter type you know match in Goldberg. And they they know they've booked him in some pretty good since he came back where he was able to, to, to perform well. When you get to that age, man, it, it is, and you're out of the ring, you're taking two guys, and like WWE, when you put two guys together, you usually do live events together, you get some chemistry together. You have two guys that have never worked. They've both been out of the ring. You're the, the hundred and something degree weather over there, there's a lot of different factors at play. They're both out of the ring. And you got to remember too, and like, and I could tell in watching Goldberg, like when he comes back out there, he's not performing all the time. So when you got to remember when you leave that setting and you're out of that environment for a while, the nerves kick back in probably at a really high, especially being in the main event and that and where no matter how good of shape you're in or how hard you train that it, you get out there and those nerves hit or anything and it could, it could really zap you pretty quick. 
if you if you're not used to it, especially in, in that those conditions. And uh, I was saying, I thought though, I I looked at it like where I watched it on the plane ride when I was over for my appearance in West Virginia, and I saw it all live. And I thought the the entrances were amazing. I thought the whole intro of the beginning was all great. And once Goldberg there hit his head in that corner, it all kind of he stayed down pretty long on that. And I was um, I go, ooh, I wonder because he hit that. He goes really hard on those things, and. It's one of those situations where, like, they're in the main event and Taker knows where they have all this other stuff planned. What do you do? It's really, really tough. And I had a situation with Dolph where I gave uh, Dolph on a clothesline. He didn't get down. And my top of my forearm hit the top of his head and knocked him out. He fell down and rolled out of the ring completely out. And the ref was counting to 10. And on nine, Dolph slides back in. We had all these false finishes and everything to do after the heat, which we hadn't even got into the heat yet. Dolph completely out of it, and we just had to call an audible. And but we were we weren't the main event. We were on Superstars that night, and we had to do a few other things. And then we went home because he couldn't. I couldn't even call to him the next spots because we had so many. It was just like, what are we? We got to go home. Those guys are in a position where they're. You got it's the main event. You don't want to end the show on a really weird note. Oh, like that, supposedly like a WrestleMania quality yeah. show. <laughs> and um, put in a really tough situation there. <clears throat> and they, um, I really feel for them. It, it could happen to anybody in all seriousness. And I think people, and a lot of people that, and again, get angry and they want to look at it and be like, you know, really focus on that. And I, and I get it, two guys at that age. And, but I think anybody in WWE, I think they, with Undertaker too, had confidence in them to go out there and to do that match. I think if that concussion didn't happen and those spots that they had, I feel like they probably would have hap- that would have been much better, and because uh, you could even see like Goldberg when he went to pick him up for the tombstone, he like the, they had to like reshuffle kind of. They yep. it was just off, like it, it yep. was. And uh, I do think, and I think people and he need- tried to pick him up for the jackhammer, and it turned into like a brain buster because yeah. he couldn't really do it. And I and which I think it's scary. And I think and this is something because I've seen with other people. I feel like Bill's getting the worst of it from people of the two, like he's getting the blame on a lot of it. And and you got to look too, though at undertaker and, and you look at bill picking up taker takers, not the same undertaker that he once was either. And, and he's a heavy guy. He's a big guy. And when you take a suplex like that, you got to jump and you got to, you got to get vertical for the guy. And it, it's, it takes two people to do that move. And I think, and it's, I don't know. I wasn't in there and I can't say, but I think bill is unfairly getting a larger, more, more, uh, what's the word getting people are lashing out at him a little more, I think for this. And I think if you understand, look at, okay, the guy had a concussion most likely on top of all this, that in, but you have two guys in their fifties and it's, I, I, I think to, to, to add to that. And it's something I've just noticed lately, you know, is I think that's happening because people just don't like Goldberg, you know? And so, Taker is such a respected person yep. in, in the wrestling industry that they're not gonna people aren't gonna shit on Taker publicly. Yeah. And people already don't like uh Bill Goldberg and, and it's a reason like, to be mad at him. It's a re- he gets the brogues. Yeah, it's kinda like the bully ray. It's like it's like a bully ray thing when there's like a reason to be mad at Bully Ray the, yeah. for the fan base, they all just they all just dump on him, you know? And it's yeah. same to like uh there's another person recently I saw it with, but it's just like 
when they have <clears> one <throat> negative thing that they can finally like say. I mean, you've felt this before, yeah, you know, you've faced the front of that. You know, I yeah. have too, where like it's like they have that one thing they can latch on and everyone starts piling on for no reason. And it's like yeah. I agree with you. There was two people in that match. And while, you know, um, you know, I tweeted something after the show saying you know, I, I hope going forward that WWE treats Goldberg like the – sorry. I hope going forward that WWE treats Undertaker like the legend yeah. that he is and starts to put him in ma- – if he's going to wrestle, you know, I would I don't, I would be okay if he didn't. But if he's going to keep wrestling because it seems like he does want to continue to wrestle, um, I would hope that they put him in the ring with younger top-tier talent who can yes. make him look good. And, and because right now he shouldn't be the one that's trying to make people look good, as we've no. seen from these past couple shows. And I think that's that again. I've heard other people mention that that if you're going to bring back these guys, and and I get you want to do these dream matches, but Father Time doesn't doesn't hold back for anybody. And putting two older guys in there, it, it's just and the styles changed a lot too today, where that is exposed a little more. And they, they don't do anything crazy, but if you could put them in there with a younger guy, and with old school and new school, that's just as appealing for a lot of fans, and that's how you elevate those younger guys too by putting them in there with those guys and, and getting giving them the rub on that, and that's how you give them that that Undertaker vibe. So when Undertaker's gone, those guys have worked with guys like that, and I agree completely. And I think and even Goldberg, I would like to see them. If they're going to do, I'm sure they're going to want to redeem themselves, is give them, I'm telling you, man, I, I've said it from day one, I could have a great match with Goldberg. I already know, I'm so confident. Like, it would, I honestly believe, I was like, quit doing this, do the matches they want to see, but like, you got to do the old and young, you can't do two old bowls anymore, it's just, it's, it's, it's shown... <clears throat> and, and again, this is, he had a concussion, and I think that's important, you got to leave that in there, and... And, Absolutely, and I think it's a testament. Like, good job but, that he finished the match. But also, still. but but also, and and not to be like you know uh, disrespectful at all, but like everyone saw it coming that someone was going to get injured in this match ahead of time. I mean, there's literally everyone talking about it was like you are setting yourselves up here for someone to get injured, and yeah. and it's because of what everything you've said. You know how far time, you know uh, father time, how far along, how far away they've been away from the ring. Um, the heat condition, just all these things they all put together. We saw from the last match, like people got injured uh, at the, the last yeah. main event when they when they were in Saudi Arabia and stuff. So, um, yeah, I just I, I don't want you know Goldberg and Undertaker are legends, and I, I you know with Undertaker, I don't want to see his career end. No, uh, in Saudi Arabia, in one of these sh- legend versus legend matches they could have and easily goldberg could have had a broken neck undertaker could have came down almost just barely missed coming down like that is um it's tough and i gotta say something too ryan with this and like it's and these guys and a lot of money is being thrown at them to go over there and perform and, and i think rumored to be like in the you know 1.5 million yeah or something like that. and i think it's important that People will look at them well they're, they're just doing these matches for the money and but the in their in, in their defense what are, are they supposed to say? No, because that money is going to go towards their families. And what they're looking at, it, they both have families where that money could be put towards other things. And they know those paydays are not going to be, there's not going to be a whole lot more of them most likely. And those in, in wrestling, if you get a payday like that, most time you, you're working for so much less, not necessarily particularly in their case. But I do think, and this is, it's like if you say, Ryback, we're gonna we want you to come over and wrestle Goldberg in Saudi Arabia. I would be in the wrestling ring training 
for for a month or two every single day treating it like a fight like but and I think sometimes what happens within the older guys too is I don't know how much wrestling training they're getting like I don't know how much ring time Bill and Undertaker had together I'm pretty probably sure it's probably probably right before the show going over oh, a couple yeah. spots where it's oh, yeah. you gotta when you're out of the game like that and I would know if I was going to go back and compete at a high level I would make sure that I. I was training morning to night, like in a wrestling ring on top of everything else, because I know what today's wrestling is like in, in the pace and in the nerves and that. And I, and I don't know, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, maybe the concussion just threw everything off. I but don't believe they did because they easily did look like it Florida but, yeah. a month before and just worked out the match for a month at the performance center. It didn't look it like it based off timing done. and different things. But again, and I will say when a guy does get a concussion, it throws everything off. So, and I think if you watch that, but I do think watching that, I thought it looked like they were gassed early on, even watching, just looking, you could always kind of tell like legs start getting heavy and different things. And it's, that's, that's an age thing too, though, and nerves and man, just a tough situation. But like, I have nothing but respect for both those guys. And I think like I tweeted it out, like people attacking them. It's like, man, let's just be. All those kids there in Saudi Arabia probably have a great memory of it. They're not going to know any better. They no. got they got to see badass entrances of two guys, that, you know, and the, the, the Saudi got everything that they wanted out of it and whatnot. Cool. And I've said, too, I've done it on here because I feel bad, man. I've met Bill, came up at a WrestleCon a couple of years ago and uh, just came over and said hello, and it was, it was nice to finally meet him. I always felt bad, and I've talked about it on here, where – the whole thing, because Bill kind of took some shots at me over the years on his interviews. Nothing bad, but I could tell he, he was like, and what happened was, is I did that WWE interview, I believe, or an interview on a football show. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in my apartment, and everything was really good, and we got, everything was building up, and they asked me about Goldberg, and the chance had started, and I was upset because WWE put out the article on WWE.com saying that I harnessed powers from the Ultimate Warrior, Bill Goldberg, JBL. There were like five guys that I harnessed my powers from. And right as soon as they wrote that is when the Goldberg stuff started because people then instantly saw the side-by-side. And I remember I was just, I took that anger and I answered in an interview and I just said, I'm a much better athlete than Bill. And like I kind of took the first shot without trying to take, because I didn't too, I was so new to doing interviews too. I didn't realize what people would pick up on or what. And I remember a big deal got made out of that. And I was like, oh, I didn't, there was so much more stuff we talked about than that. And I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. But, and then you look back and you see if I put myself in Bill's shoes. Now we're all, I think I'm a better athlete. Bill thinks he's a better athlete. You don't need to go and say that and take a shot at a guy. And, and I was like, I always felt bad. And I apologized on here a long time ago for it. Cause I was like, Ah, it was just kind of, I didn't need, I didn't need to say that. And it, it wasn't ill intention, but I was so angry at the comparisons because I wanted, I didn't want that to be a thing and whatnot, but man, it's, you got to have respect for the guys. And I saw like Matt Riddle made some comments. Uh, yeah, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. And I think it's, I think you got to be very careful because it's, and I understand I saw he, he mentioned he, he's passionate and he loves wrestling. He's also a developmental wrestler right now in the system that he wants to get up to the big leagues in. And you got to, I get it. And I get, but there's no reason you don't know the details of the match and things. You got to be very careful how you talk about people in wrestling. It's like, you know, Leo Rush making the, when, when, um, Tennille got, with, with Emma, uh, with yeah, Emma. Emma got released. 
And it, it's one of those deals where other guys are going to, whether they agree with you or not, but you got to be really careful what you go out and publicly say because there's no, there's just no need to go and do that. Do you think it's I, – I was actually just going to ask that. Do you think it's along the lines of the Emma thing because he was concussed? Or we don't know he's concussed, but the fact that he got knocked out? What do you mean? The Well, I just mean like, you know, everyone was really mad when yeah. Leo did – Oh, like, saying that they just said ready. that to kind of cover it maybe? Well, no, no, no. Do you think that everyone's that, – that him kind of talking to Goldberg after he had just gotten knocked out – do you think that he's going to kind of catch the same heat oh. on the main roster that Leo did? Or it, something like that? I don't Is know. it along those lines? I see that I don't know. That well, the, the fact though that they had him take it down or he took it down and I don't know if he took it down on his own after he thought maybe Pretty quickly. It was it was down in like 15 minutes. Like yeah. I wrote it. Like I saw it and I was like, "Well, I'm going to write that." And I started writing it and then he by the time I was done, he had already taken it down. Yeah, that's uh you got to be very careful when you do that, and I'm telling you, when you're in developmental, you gotta you gotta mind your p's and q's all the way because they'll look at it like, well, this guy's thinks he could say whatever he wants, and you want to be able to say whatever you want, but there's you don't want to, there's no need to disrespect anybody in the that's that's in the game. And the the guy is coming over, he's he's not an active wrestler anymore. He's well, he's not in his prime anymore. He's always been a, you know, he's not a. Goldberg's not the A to Z wrestler that a lot of the guys today doing the A to Z matches, mapping them all out. That wasn't his thing. He was, though, the best at being intense and getting a crowd pumped up and being believable, which are that is missing from today's wrestling. It, and, it, 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 so, and he was much better at that than any of today's guys. So, and now he might not be as good as, as the actual technical aspect of, but that was never his deal. That never, they don't use him like that. And I think he just got a concussion, and that match would have been fine. I think if that didn't happen, and I think everyone, I think so too. and I think everyone would have been happy. I think they had a cool little ending, going for the tombstone. Taker would have reversed right out of it into the tombstone, done the match, and I think it would have been. I bet it would have been a solid match for what it for that, and everyone would have been happy. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case, and so it's easy to start like getting angry over things, and because there were some serious mess ups in that. But having that information at hand, I just think Matt has to be like everyone. Matt's a good wrestler, and he's gonna he's gonna hopefully have an opportunity. I think when you're young too, you want to you want to just you want to show everybody how hungry you are and how you know how bad you want it. And but all these guys and I and it's everyone that has done this deserves respect. To to you just want to be careful on it. You know what I mean? And especially yeah, someone absolutely. working in the company that you want to get to their get there with and we're all going to be old men at some point and it's we're all going to get old we're all going to we're not you know father time is going to hit all of us and not not everyone's going to what you do in your 20s and 30s you're not going to be able to do in your later 40s and 50s and the the fact that those guys at least tried is uh, i think you just got to give them all the respect in the world and you can't they earned they've, they've earned that i also feel like when you're with coming from being like a you know, like around the same age as Riddle type thing. I feel like, as like from the from this generation of social media and stuff like that, when you have built your following up doing a certain thing, yeah. Um, but then, like, you've built your you've built your following doing a certain thing and being a certain way and, and carrying yourself a certain way. But then, when you get to the level that you want to attain, you have to learn that like that's not appropriate anymore. Yeah. And like I myself have fallen into that, you know, where I'm like, like I try so hard now to just not 
say opinionated, too opinionated of things mm-hmm. on Twitter, not in these types of things, but like on Twitter and yeah. stuff like that to kind of keep it pretty, you know, straightforward now. <clears throat> and even that still people get pissed yeah. off at and think that like I'm talking like I said something with zero opinion the other day and I still had Jim Cornette quote tweeted angrily at me yeah. and call me like mean names and stuff. So so like I think it's just like a I don't know, it's it, it's Social media has become this like area where people are just always angry, and so you don't need to feed that anger. And I, so I actually on this week's show here, I have Dr. Sue Mortar, which her book and I talk about it with her. Uh, the Energy Code it showed up; it changed me. This is why I've had this change of like energy. I realized, and I, it's funny. I read that book, and it was when I was doing all my tweets with the the final ones this last whatever a few weeks ago towards WWE, and I realized um, that when you and I, it was me. I was holding on to a lot of hate from a lot of different things from early on, and I had to get rid of it because I've been holding it in. And that was my final way after reading this book. It all came out like the Pussy Paul stuff. Like that was – I had to get that out because that had been eating away at me for so long. And after that last tweet, and then I, I read the book a second time. I read it a third time, and then I had her on the show, and we talked even more. And I realized how I was um, – that was as positive as I was. I wasn't um, – there were certain areas I was still negative in and trying, I was thinking positive, but it wasn't working anymore because I was harnessing these negative feeling towards things that have happened. And I think I've learned that, and I've just changed my approach a little bit at this, that when you put out something and it, and it comes off as any remotely disrespectful or even and it, you, you do it out of any, just even the smallest bit of hate, you open your energy up and you open yourself up to a world of hate. And then it's like the, your energy can grow positive or can grow negative. So even when you do give something opinionated, and it, even if it's slightly negative, it's because we have a choice. We could choose to do we could do good or bad and we can make people feel good or bad. And it comes down to that. And like, so with Matt, he chose to try to make somebody feel bad. And, and it is whether he's right or wrong. He chose though to go the negative route with it and beat and do bad rather than Put out a good. If he would have put out a good tweet, nothing but respect to those two guys. However, so not one person would have been angry at that. And it, so it's I've kind of learned it's it's like talking about the WWE stuff that I'm very passionate about. The stuff needs to change. And I did an interview coming out here with Sports Illustrated this week, which I, I and I talked to them. I think it's going to come out in a very positive way with this independent contractor stuff in California going on, and that I have to even be careful how I talk about things. Cause if I do it with the, the just slightest bit of resentment or anger, it gets a negative reaction from people. But if I, yep. it, so it's, I think it's all of it. Social media just makes it really easy to just put what we think out there, whether we're right or wrong, there is a way to do it in a, I think if you like, is this going to make people feel good or feel bad? And if it even has a remote tint of bad in it, it's like, we got to wait, maybe I could do this in a better way. And so that's what I'm asking myself now on things to try because I've realized that me responding from things with hate, with more hate, just opens up for even more hate. Like it's a never ending. Yep. No, I literally was telling someone that the other day. They were like, hey, should I respond to so-and-so with this mean thing? And I was like, you could, but then they're just going to respond back and you're literally just going to be – you're going to be in the thing with their fan base and it's going to be a never ending cycle of being thrown at each other when you all don't even really care you're all just trying to prove a point yeah and he was like all right yeah it's a good point so, that's what so, i've yeah. realized yeah it doesn't matter if you're right or wrong all on things it's sometimes it's just how your approach it's it's your reaction to things and trying to stay and do good all the time and it, it's a very difficult thing but that book man 
just got through to me on a different level, and I realized a few areas, and Matt's young too, and you're going to make mistakes. You're going to say things. I just think you have to be very careful. That, that was really bad, in my opinion. Yeah. As far like, That was very, very just hurtful, just where it didn't need to be. Like, nobody feels worse about that match than Goldberg and Undertaker. Yep. Nobody. I like they they that is a professional wrestler's worst nightmare come true to have that and fall over like that and almost get killed out there. Like that is it, it's so yeah. they nothing needs no, that to makes be said. Sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Also, I want to check out that book. That sounds like a good book. I it, might have to check that out. It's uh <laughs> right The Energy nice. Coach by Dr. Sue Mortar. Available on Amazon. <laughs> No, I... Yeah, maybe I'll check that out. That sounds like good stuff. Because, yeah, I'm really trying to do that lately, too. Like, when Jim Cornette went off on me a few days ago, I was, like, angry for a second. And then I just responded back, like, hope that made you feel better. Like, have a great day, Jim. You know? Yeah. Like, because it's just, like, I didn't feel like getting into it. You know? Like, it's it's just silly. Dude, okay, before we... Please read that book, time, though. I promise you'll like it. I will. It. That sounds great. That sounds great. Um, what do you think about... We got I got two more topics related to okay. Super Showdown still. Um... I thought it was kind of a weird situation WWE put themselves in uh, by flying Natalia and Alexa Bliss out to Saudi Arabia. Um, it, you know, it, it came out. You know, I reported uh, and so did others that the reason they were flown out there is because um, the WWE had been uh, going back and forth with the Saudi Arabian government for the past few months, trying to make it happen to have a mat, have the women have a match at the show. Um, from what I'm told, it was like, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And they really didn't know where the Saudi uh, General Sports Authority was was going to uh, fall, which side of the coin they were going to fall on. So yeah. uh, they, they flew out Natalia. They flew out Alexa Bliss, uh, hoping that they would get the green light by the time the show started. However, that did not happen. They did not get the green light. And so they kind of flew out there. For, well, I was going to say for nothing, but they still got paid a lot of money. But yeah. um, they <clears throat> flew out there. Um, do you think that because of the controversy surrounding the show, do you think that them uh, publicly showing that they're trying to get the women on the card uh, helps their argument that they're trying for change, that, that, that they are there attempting to create some change? Or do you think it makes them look worse because it once again just shined a spotlight on the fact that women can't wrestle at these shows? No, I think so. I, I think it's the intentions are on the right place for a really tough situation on that. And like I've said, I always talk about the good and the bad. Obviously, they're doing these shows for money. The Saudi, it, it's completely controversial. The, the, there's a lot of messed up stuff over there going on. Like, it, yes. they, they don't play by the same rules that a lot of us, uh, the other countries, play by. WWE, I think they they must have thought to some degree that there might have been a chance, even slim to none, but they might have thought there had to have been a sliver of a chance. They thought they might be able to get it done. And and I think it's just taking another step to try to make that where they see the women over there. They're there. They're ready to go. It's going to happen eventually. They're going to do it. And it's not going to obviously solve Saudi's problems and a lot of the things going on. But it's if you looked at that crowd and the, the people over there, it gives those kids hope. That maybe it shows them a different side of things that maybe then they're used to. And that is a good thing. And there's a lot we don't agree with on different things and what they do and whatnot. But I think if you just look at it from the families and the, and the women over there and the kids, it probably means a hell of a lot more to them than even a lot of us over here where they're, they're desperately hoping maybe just something because it, it gives them a good moment for nothing else. So, dude, those, those parts of the show when they showed like, 
and maybe it's propaganda getting to me. I don't know. But when they showed those kids in the crowd, uh, you know, in WWE gear, you know, in different outfits and stuff with the shirts and everything, talking about what it means to them to be able to see WWE live. And yeah. then, you know, when that Mansoor guy, when he won the Great Battle Royal, yeah. and they just showed all the kids, cry, the kids crying to show mm. what it means to them. It was really, it really made me conflicted on these shows because it's like, you know, I know that there's bad things going on there, but there's also lots of good people there too. And yeah. there, there's not just bad people that and bad things happening there. There are people who would like things to change, who would like there to be something different. And so, um, yeah, I'm aware of the controversy surrounding it. But the more I watch, like, and, and like I said, maybe it's the propaganda getting to me. I don't know. But the more I saw those little things like that, I go. Maybe it's not that bad that they're there, you know what I mean? Like, maybe they are trying. I mean, like you said, I don't think their sole reason they're there is to create change. The sole yeah. reason they are there is because they're making more money than, they've ever, than they make for WrestleMania there. But if they and could do a little bit of good while doing it, I think that's kind of the approach that's being taken. And I think, you know, a lot of people go, well, why would the talent be involved in that? And that's how I look at it with the talent perspective. You go, like, well, you know, one, yes, they're also in it for the money. But two, they're like, look at, like, there are these people here who aren't bad. Like, you yeah. know, like, we want to be part of helping to make this better. I get that. You know, I do get that. Well, I don't think it's the sole reason. I do think that having, a, you know, the, the American entertainment there, you know, is – good for those people so it, it, it does make me very conflicted everything we do in this world though ryan and you got people that are, everything everyone does is for money people wake up and got to go you go to your job for money you do your things so you can pay your bills and it's no different in these situations it just might be a little different a cooler job or maybe a little more money and whatnot but i think that there's if you just look at it from they're just you could do good in these situations still and and i think that's kind of the approach and you man there, there's so many good human beings out there still, I think. And that's like I'm trying to you know, really focus on just trying to be a good human being to all people and not letting my anger in, in different things and trying to really, really just live this 100% all the time. That you look at that, there's those men and women over there, there's a lot of good men. What happens is they're raised in bad situations and they get these ideas in their head. That And that's kind of where they're, if we start promoting this change for the younger generation, maybe that's not as common, this hate that, that is experienced and whatnot. And, but they, they live in a, in a whole different set, of, by a whole different set of rules over there. And it's, I think it, it, you could see it in, their, in the kids, like everyone crying. It does mean a lot to them. It does. And the, you can't, you, you, the camera shots, the, yeah, they captured it. They would be stupid not to capture that. that that's what they do. They create memories and moments. So it's, uh, I think it was a step in the right direction. I think they'd, it's probably going to happen sooner than later with the women. Yeah, wrestling. me too. And I, I felt like this was definitely the more, besides the, you know, the frust, you know, the frustrating main event and how that all played out. Uh, the show itself was definitely, a, to me, seemed like a step in the right direction of what they should be doing with these shows and putting a spotlight more on like what it means to these kids and not how great Saudi Arabia is and stuff, which is to me be much much better. I agree completely on that. And that moment with Mansoor, was it Mansoor? Yep. Yeah, yeah It was. Uh, Normally, I would be like, well, you shouldn't let people beat the superstars, but that was the perfect situation. That was, I thought I felt that, the exact same way. I felt, and you know, they, at least Mansoor, they have had him on the past couple of weeks of NXT TV. Yeah. Now it explains why he suddenly had a push on NXT yeah, TV. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I, I also didn't mind, like, for the exact reason that you said, because that post battle royal moment was so good that 
Yeah. No other superstar would have got that reaction. So that's nope. that. So I, it made perfect sense. I was, yeah. I was no problem with that whatsoever. Absolutely. I also, uh, you know, quick note. I like that Al, uh, Ali, formerly Mustafa Ali, uh, he announced after the show that he's donating all the money he made from the event to charity. Yeah, so that very was cool. That was cool that he did that. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool that he did yeah, that. always a good thing to to do something like that. Just doing good. Yep. And then lastly, here um, I want to bring up. I don't. I don't want to get like into the like nitty gritty and, and deep details, but over, I wanted to kind of talk about it overall. So um, I'm sure you saw this report about Bully Ray and the fan who he brought backstage. Yeah. Did you see about this? Yeah. Okay. Um, so there was that whole story. I'm sure most people listening to this also heard about it. Um, and then today I saw a video uh, where it was at the Impact tapings and Taya Valkyrie. Basically, there's a fan who's screaming at Taya Valkyrie and she's kind of getting back in his face. And they're just screaming. At, he's screaming at her and she's kind of yelling stuff back. And he calls her like a piece of hoe and, and uh, a few other things. And she kind of gets mad and slaps his beer out of his hand and walks away. And then he spits from behind at her and almost spits on her. Oh, wow. Um and you know, because it's kind of a pre- you know a, a thing people are talking about right now. Where do you, you know where do you think the line should be drawn in terms of like a f- intense fans and how how they yell at wrestlers and and things like that? I've gotten in guys' faces before and slapped beers out of their hands on live events, and I've taken beers out of their hands as a baby face and chugged them right there in the crowd and get a nice little pop on that. And um, I think. Fans, you want like, their... can a fan take it too far? Yeah, and I think you gotta, especially if you're an adult, because the stuff I, I get. You want to go and you have some drinks and you want to have fun and whatnot. But there's, um, you can be. It doesn't give you a free pass to be a human being. That's I think, how I feel. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's just something you instinctually know. And it's, I think it's there's this people. The lines have been blurred now. Where they, well, I paid for a ticket. I can, you can't pay for a ticket and then go murder the guy right next to you. It's not, no. you got to play by the rules that we still live in. It's not, you're not escaping reality by coming to the, to the wrestling show. Yes, you get to, to cheer and have fun and boo. And, but I think you just, and a lot of fans don't like it when people are obnoxious and they go and they see they're like, especially like casual fans. They, that's what it turns them off to bring in their kids to the shows. So I always think you got to be, conscious of that too as an adult that you do have children around you and you just kind of maybe keep yourself in line somewhat so i mean yeah i think it's just go have fun but don't don't be a bad human being (laughs) i also think it's a different kind of like i i think it's different kind of people i think you and i are very similar in, in certain ways and like you know Young Ryback when he went to that show and he was by himself, like you sat there in silence. Yeah, like, you weren't even like you know what I mean, yep. like because you were just like watching this and and enjoying it or yeah. whatever. Um, I've always, I, I like cheering and I like booing and stuff and, and and even oh you suck or whatever, but never to where like I'm actually yelling like really mean and like like things of where you're trying to hurt them, you know. Yeah, I and, would feel like, obnoxious doing that. Like I'd be I would be too. thoroughly embarrassed. If... I I remember very vividly. My girlfriend and I went to, I believe it was Raw, and there was someone near us yelling, like, really mean fat things at yeah. Nia Jax. And there were, like, kids around. And it's like, the kids around are the ones that hear you. Yep. Nia Jax can't hear you, you know, yeah. for a WWE show like that when you're that far yeah. back. Yep. And you're just, like, yelling things out into the air to show that you're a piece of 
kind of, you know? Yeah. And so, like, yeah, I'm the same way, you know? And, and, and when you're up close like that, I mean, I've ne- I've sat up close like PWG and stuff like that and, and even other, you know, uh, WWE before. And I never got the, the, the like, the, 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 the feeling to want to, like, make this performer feel bad about themselves. Yeah. I've more so wanted to, like, help, uh, you know, uh, help make the show better, like, by being involved and, and, and being into the, you know, being part of the show as opposed to, like, trying to be the show, you know? Yeah. And that's what frustrates me when that happens. And you can hurt, people got to, when you say things and you're, like, calling somebody overweight who is overweight, you're, that you're being a, a, a piece of and yeah. I've experienced this in the ring during Nexus before I got my Invisalign braces. I had braces as a kid for almost three years. My wisdom teeth came in as I got older and it made my upper tooth kind of my teeth. When I first debuted in Nexus and NXT, my teeth were, my front teeth were crooked a little bit on there. And I was always super conscious of that. And I remember not having a lot of money being the server at Smoky Bones and like being like, I didn't like to smile at people because I was very self-conscious and it wasn't horrible, but it was, it needed to be fixed, but I didn't have the money to get it fixed. And then when I came up there for NXT and then Nexus, I didn't have any money yet to go get Invisaligns or anything yet. And I wanted to get them. And that was one of my goals to get those. And I eventually did. I was cutting a promo though with Nexus. I'll never forget it in Sacramento and a fan, it was quiet. And I, like I had set a line and I was getting ready to say the next line. And it was fix your teeth just echoed in the arena from one fan. And I remember I just wanted to, I wanted to literally just drop the microphone and just walk out there and just rip his head off. But it really, it was so hurtful. And it was like, I was more cause everybody heard it. And I was very self-conscious of it at the time. And it was like, but you could be, you can go way too far. That had nothing to do with the, the wrestling or anything we were doing. And it was just, and it's like, you say something about someone being overweight, probably a sensitive subject to them. They know it, you know? It's not. Well, I think you know as much as there was a you know people on different sides of the situation with the bully Ray situation, you know from what Josh said that he that he yelled at Velvet when he said that fat slob bully Ray, sure that really made her feel bad. Yeah. You know, you know, and because that has sure nothing she, to do with what's going on in that. Yeah, and it, it's yeah. just them being bad human beings. And I'm like, try, like, like the reaction of taking him backstage maybe wasn't necessarily the right reaction or whatever. But I also think that Josh maybe shouldn't have yelled "you fat slob" at her either. You yeah. know, like because like you said, it wasn't. It has nothing to do with with what they're, with they're anything. They're actors here, you know. And you're like, I don't know. Be like watching them perform. It's like watching a taping of like Friends, and you're yelling like you. Brad Pitt at Jennifer Anson, which is not an insult, really, but like you know, but yeah, I mean? yeah, like, but you're, you yeah. know, like, yep. you f- piece of name Brad Pitt. Like, you're taking a like, real life situation and then and then bringing it up into a situation. There's nothing to do with the situation. And I hand. realize you know heckling doesn't necessarily happen in the sitcom world, but like something along. Those I know lines. what you're saying though. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it makes sense. I think again, at the end of the day, I think it all comes down to like. A lot of there, there's a portion of fans that are angry. They, they have the wrong mindset. Their their energy's bad, man, and they're just looking over things to complain about and be angry about. I paid for this ticket to escape reality. I can do whatever I want. You can't. You you really can't. You shouldn't. You should always try to be a good human being, even if you want to go there and cheer and boo. But you don't you don't need to be yelling. You know, just obscene things like that at, at other human beings. Just trying to go out there and earn a living and have a little fun. You know, so. And I don't want to. And I don't want it to be the. You know, I don't think that Josh, the guy who was involved in the situation with Bully Ray, I think that both sides of that 
handled the situation all around bad. Like I think there was bad sides on both. Like it was all around just wasn't a good situation. I think that all all parties could have handled it differently. And security. So, they um, should have just had him taken out by security and just removed from the show. I guess if they were really that mad about it, then yeah. yes. I but. I mean, like, I don't think that Josh is, like, that extreme where he needs to be removed from shows or anything like okay. that. But if they felt that way, that that's how they should react as opposed to backrooming him. Ab- absolutely. I, that's why I said, like, I think all parties involved were um, – th- this just spiraled out of control. Yeah, I and I think, though, were- if you do – if you are going to have, like – and supposedly, and I saw that with Bully, and it wasn't anything. It was a conversation. But yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, if you – I feel like if you are going to do that, you got to have – real security there if you're just going to have like look man don't do that all right and but security's there where you don't have two pe- people in a room and I don't know who else was there cuz that can go really bad really quickly yeah like that's and that, that, that you're putting bully even bully if he wants that that it that could probably come out worse on them because they brought the guy back there and then if the guy did something spit on bully or did something and then bully beats that's going to fall bad. yeah real it just puts it in I understand wanting to that's if somebody said that to my girlfriend, I would I would probably want to have words with them also. But yep. in that work environment, you do need to follow protocol probably a little too. But I don't think anything bad agree. happened from it. And I know Bully. Bully's a good dude, man. He's and he's probably it's look, man, go be a good fan. Don't be like that. And it's yeah. But it puts him in a bad situation too. Yeah, I think like I said, yeah, I think I absolutely think Bully handled that bad. I I would probably want to do the same thing, but I for the exact reasons that you just said. Not if if Josh had been not cool because Josh is a really cool guy. Josh yeah. is a nice guy. If Josh had been a not cool guy, he and had been really drunk or something like that, yep. he definitely could have been like you and pushed, and then it could have escalated, yep. and it would have been a way worse situation than it is right now. An impact, yeah. I would hope that they, it's a good learning lesson. You know, not. Don't do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Uh, All right. That's all I got for this week. All right, man. Good deal. Anything you'd plug to wrap up? Uh, ProWrestlingSheet.com. Check out my website. It's where you can find all the top stories throughout the week in the world of professional wrestling. YouTube.com slash C slash Wrestling Sheet. That's where you can find all the shows we do. Uh, I do a Raw and SmackDown recap every week. And then I do a show called Wrestling Sheet Radio. We talk about some of the biggest stories of the week with my co-host Jamie Iovine and Elijah Bates. Also, you can find our show on all podcast platforms. Just search Wrestling Sheet Radio. Good deal, Ryan. Thank you very much. And guys, we'll be right back after these messages. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's the big guy, Ryback. And I want to talk to you about Fuel Meals, my personal meal prep service I've been using for years. Meal prep at your doorstep. Fuel Meals at FuelMeals.com has something for everybody. An easy way to eat healthy in this fast-paced life we are all living. Whenever I'm in a pinch, I go to my Fuel Meals and I love it. I love to eat real food, but the fact is I can't cook for every single meal of the day. So Fuel Meals come in handy for me when I need it most, and I think it could help you too. Tell them the big guy sent you and use discount code the big guy to save 15%. FuelMeals.com. Feed me more. Summer is approaching fast, and now is the time to not only get your diet on track, but also stock up on Feed Me More Nutrition. You can save 20% with discount code PODCAST20. Whether you're looking for long-lasting clean energy with our Wake Up Unlimited Energy, available in pink lemonade and our new green apple, melting fat off of Shell Shock Extreme Fat Burner, or getting a great night's rest with our powerful all-natural GTS 
go to sleep. Feed Me More Nutrition has you covered with seven different products that contain no artificial colors or sweeteners and use more natural ingredients that work synergistically to give you the results you deserve. Available on FeedMeMore.com and Amazon. Feed Me More. All right, I'm back here, guys. And uh, this is uh, what an episode I really enjoyed um, being able to talk to Dr. Sue Mortar. I think this is maybe, you know, for me doing this show, it's almost like uh, I said it from the beginning. It's like a diary for me, too, of kind of tracking my life and uh, my evolution and and where I was at different points and where I'm going and where I am. And it's um, one of the things for me, again, didn't want to do interviews for the longest time. I just wanted I just enjoyed coming on here and bullshit, just getting to say whatever I wanted to say and not be handcuffed and let people see my personality, and it's been been able to ha- to have people follow and support after you know several years, and actually get to know the real me, and I and I think the people that do listen, you do have a good understanding of me. I would hope, um, and at least I try try my best. I'm sarcastic. I'm funny. Uh, I can be very serious. I can be very angry, and uh, it's it's trying to learn and grow and develop as a human being, and hopefully help some people. And now doing these interviews and bringing these people on and, and doctors and experts and different things. And, you know, Dr. Sue Mortar, just such an intelligent, fascinating woman. The the knowledge that that woman possesses is just so inspirational to me. And I'm constantly trying to learn and take in new things. And you just you realize how incredible human beings are and how unique and special each and every one of us are. And that we all can, we all have the ability to make people feel good or feel bad. And we all can inspire other people. And I think if you, when you finally understand that and understand how powerful that feeling really is and how great it is, um, like life just changes. And I feel like I've really had some real uh, advancement in, in, for me from a human being standpoint uh, in just my evolution and my way of thinking and uh, big thanks to Dr. Sue for making the time to come on. And I hope you guys, her book, The Energy Codes, um, I'm, I'm on my, I'm on my finishing my third time reading it now, uh, guys. And I'm going to go back. I'm listening to it again after I'm done. It's so, it's so good. And there's so many things I've, uh, I didn't hear here that I'm hearing again and it's getting through a little better. And, um, I do want to say, um, in that, I kind of wanted like I, I kind of like doing a message, my kind of message of the week, and it, this is a little more than uh, is the tips of the week, and I'm gonna have those in still from time to time. But um, I think this week, I think something that's really helped me is you know focusing on being a good human being. And what do I mean by that? I mean treating other human beings good, and um, or just animals, whatever it is, just trying to be good. Um, it's not always easy. And I'm going to share again, a little insight for me and what I've learned from Dr. Sue in talking to her and, and reading this book over and over again is I had some traumatic experiences happen to me with a company that I loved. Um, I always wanted to work for this one company, that being WWE. The first thing was the ankle injury, which we've talked about on this and explained thoroughly. That did a lot of damage to me. One, and I've said my hero that I grew up liking, Triple H, 
that had a big impact on me when I was younger, telling me during that that he was eventually going to have to cut the cord and fire me on my ankle injury that, again, was caused by a bunch of uns- uh, uh, unfortunate circumstances that I didn't have any control over at the time. That was really hard on me, and I just absorbed it, and I held it in, and I held in that hate because it made me it made me hate him. When he, I, I'll never, I'll never forget it. It's something, and I, but I've had to let it go since, and I've learned that with her. But I, I took that anger and that negativity, and I just stored it away. And I was positive, I was positive, but that that hate and anger inside of me was just slowly building and building and building. And then WWE with the malpractice lawsuit, making me drop a multi-million dollar lawsuit. Harbored that anger and that hate inside of me even more, even more. And it just built and it built and it built. And then the creative situation of me working my entire life to be in this position of being the ultimate good guy for kids and being booked in a not good way in that situation uh, and again, I've talked about this on the show, but I'm just kind of letting you guys in on this, on my thought process on this, where I would have to answer to kids all the time, Ryback, when are you going to get your revenge on the shield? When are you going to beat the shield? When are you going to do this? And me eventually, and I've told this story where I told the one kid in the gas station in New York, kids, sometimes the bad guys just win. Made me really angry having to tell a kid that, but I couldn't lie to him. And I knew what was going on at that point. And we're talking about a, uh, a scripted environment, but the hate that I was receiving and the disappointment that I was receiving was real. And that bothered me because there was nothing I could do about it. And I was put in a very unfortunate situation of that was not the role that I was going to get to play. Uh, even though we've, like I've said, people, a lot of people agree that it should have been. It's over. Everything that has happened and I shifted from Dr. Sue and there's more and more moments like that with WWE that this, that built, it built, it built. And eventually my body gave out on me. I never wanted to leave. I had to for my health because I was told they were going to job me out, fire me, job me out, take me off TV, fire me. That was the final bit of anger that I needed. The muscle and fitness magazine that I talked about that anger I held in of not being able to do that. That was a goal of mine. So I have all these traumatic things for me that really, that I held in. And I noticed with me over time, with human beings. I've always been a good person, I would like to say, or I've been positive, very positive, but I was having negative moments. And I've noticed for me, until I read this book and it just kind of got through to me, I'd been very shut off by humans. And I was looking at the negatives and I was at social media. We talked about that last week. I was talking about how I was looking for bad and humans are bad. People are pieces of because there are pieces of out there, but there's also a lot of good, like I've said. And I need to just be focusing on the good. And I was letting that take over my attention. And I know at times, and there's people that have come up I'm, where I don't want to talk to people because I was so angry inside and so hurt and disappointed that I would meet good wrestling fans. And I was never, I was never rude to the point, like, get the fuck away from me or any, and I, but I would be very short. I didn't want to, I didn't want to have a conversation because what was happening was all that anger that I did not metabolize properly, that I did not properly get rid of was held inside of me. And then that would bring up a memory in my head. And anybody that was a wrestling fan, even they could be the biggest fan of me. I was just very, it instantly made me feel bad because it brought back memories of, of the disappointment time and time again that I had no control over. And I found whatever it was in this book that got through to me finally. And it went back to how it was before I, made it big as, as Ryback and WWE is 
Um, and again, this isn't, isn't an all the time thing, but it was, I just noticed I had these negative feelings I was holding on to. And even if I would try to explain them and I talked about it with Ryan and I would sell it. And even if I'm right, but I would have a negative feel to it, a negative vibe to it, which would open me up to more hate where, and then I just realized even little things getting on airplanes and being aggravated, being agitated with people and not wanting to, you know, seeing people, you know, you see a woman, she's trying to put her bag up and why got a bad shoulder and bad back? I'm not doing it. I can't, I'm hurt. Like I, these things were real feelings going on, but, but I was so focused on the negatives and like all of a sudden reading that book and it just dawned on me that in doing good and motivating people and helping people and just trying to be nice all the time. Is it always going to be impossible? Maybe, maybe not all the time. I, I don't know. But my mindset is just different on it. And like I traveled this weekend and I was in such a good mood traveling and just viewing people differently, smiling for the first time in years, just smiling, like in like just, and it was because my outlook was different on it. And when you're just, when you look at people and don't try to get angry, because we, the world could be a negative a place, but it's, it's on us on how we're choosing to perceive things, how we're choosing to react to things is that falls on us. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad. And, but the, here's the problem guys, when we focus on the bad, that bad becomes our bad and it carries over to other, other areas of our life. So we have to be very careful of that. When we choose to have a negative conversation, when we choose to complain about something, we are giving that, that negative thing energy. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to make us feel worse. And I think the first step is becoming conscious and aware of that and asking yourself, do I really need to have a conversation about how this guy that ordered you know, my supplements wasn't happy and didn't like my supplements? Do I need to have a conversation about that about it to somebody else? No, I don't. It doesn't do me any, any good. It doesn't help that person. doesn't help me. And it just fuels more negativity, more anger. And... I've, uh, I feel like I've taken a giant step and in with this book, the energy codes. And I think the, 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 the point that I'm trying to make is if we just try to be good human beings and treat people good and try to motivate people, it's a huge first step into making other areas of our life better. If that makes sense for you guys, things might not be going our way. We, we, we could have a horrible day at work, but just because we have a horrible day at work doesn't mean we have to treat the, the guy that we meet at the gas station like a piece. Or it doesn't mean that we don't have to hold the door open for a woman walking behind us because we're in a bad mood. I think if we can understand that and then try to actually just be good whenever we can, that maybe those negative that negative day at work won't be so bad after a few good deeds. Maybe not. Maybe helping that woman put her bag up in the thing and seeing her happiness of not struggling makes you feel good. And then that woman feels good. And then she does something else good. And somebody else sees and goes, what a nice young man. And maybe compliments you as you get off the plane. Maybe, maybe now you feel even better. There's no bad that will come from being good is all I know. But I know that when we give bad attention, it opens up the, the doors for more bad and more negativity. And that's my message this week. Just be good human beings and let's be conscious of it. Let's be aware that people, we all have feelings. We're all as different as we all are. We're all very much the same. And uh, we all want to feel good. And just because maybe some things don't go our way and uh, don't work out our way, that, that we, we doesn't mean we have to treat other people bad, if that makes sense. 
and letting go of anger. And for me, like I said, I've let go of a lot of anger here in the last several weeks. Just let it go. I felt like I got out what I needed to get out my last bit. And now I could talk about it much more reasonably, uh, much more uh, in a much more informative way. Uh, it's like the WWE independent contractor employee situation, which I got an interview coming out with Sports Illustrated. Very important issues for me, for professional wrestlers. And I have to be very careful how I talk about these things because I don't want, and I, and I talk about it in that interview, I want Vince to do good before Vince leaves this earth. I want Vince to make wrestling better before he steps down or leaves. Um, or, or when his time comes. Because he has the ability to do, to do a lot of good still. And I need to eliminate my personal feelings on things and not blend the two. Because when I do that, it, the information that I'm putting out gets blurred. And, and I don't want it to be blurred. And I want, it, I want wrestling to be better for professional wrestlers and for the fans. Because we all love this. And we all, we all know how much better it can be. And I think it's going to be eventually. But I think I need to, when I speak up on things, I need to be very careful of how I relay the information that I'm giving so that I, I don't, because I don't want people to be angry and I don't want people to be negative about it. I want people to, to love wrestling and want wrestling to be better for the wrestlers and, and for, for ourselves, for fans. So that is my message this week. Big thank you to our sponsors, Real Good Foods. Uh, realgoodfoods.com. You can save 15% with discount code Ryback15. Betonline.ag for your online betting needs. Wiretap Radio, CLNS Media, a wrestling historian on Instagram and Twitter, and the Wrestling Classic on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you guys very, very much, as always, for everything you do on the show. Fuelmeals.com for my personal meal prep service. Custom meals to your doorstep, guys. Fuelmeals.com. Save 15% with discount code the big guy on that fuelmeals.com. There you are. I eat those every day. I usually get the grilled chicken and broccoli or uh, steak and broccoli is now what I'm kind of doing, the two meals that I'm going back and forth on on those. So go ahead and uh, check those out. With that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this week's show. I got Trevor from Smashworks coming on, guys, uh, for next week's show. Really looking forward to that. He's helped me tremendously. Um, with my rehab, with my back and shoulder, with the, he smash works on Instagram. Give him a follow. It's uh, I think you guys are really, really going to dig dig some of the stuff that he has on there for uh, body hacking injuries with lacrosse balls, softballs, those bands. The guy is a wizard. So uh, I'm super stoked, pumped that I get to talk to him. All right, guys, for all fan mail, please send to P.O. Box 752740, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89136. You can support this show at patreon.com slash Ryback. It is greatly appreciated. All Feed Me More Nutrition and Ryback merchandise is available on Amazon under Feed Me More Nutrition t-shirts or Feed Me More t-shirts or the Big Guy Ryback t-shirts on Amazon. Feed Me More Nutrition available on Amazon and feedmemore.com. Check that out, guys. I believe you can save 20% with discount code PODCAST20. PODCAST20, save 20% on Feed Me More Nutrition. Check that out, all natural supplements, guys. And uh, I'm pumped with the growth we've had on that. And thank you guys for your support. Your online reviews on Amazon and feedmemore.com are greatly appreciated. They go a long ways and they really help um, in continuing to grow this. It's a lot of work for me and it is something, it, it means a lot to me. It's something I'm trying to do right here. Um, with my business and make people uh, give them a healthy option with supplements that have helped me tremendously 
As you see on my Instagram, I constantly am using this stuff. I've been using it for years. So if you could support that, and if you ever have any questions, guys, on health and fitness, I do my Instagram lives, the face-to-face. Those have been well-received. Um, I do love you guys. I've always tried to make myself available. I'm trying to make myself more available and form good connections with my fans and good relationships um, because it makes me feel good to be able to help you guys and uh, take the stuff that I've learned as I've gotten older and help you make some better decisions, hopefully, and uh, learn learn about health and fitness and nutrition um, because it really does carry over to all different areas of your life. Personal video shout-outs from myself, uh, cameo.com slash Ryback. Wake Up, It's Feeding Time, my motivational book, available on Amazon in paperback, Audible, and Kindle formats. For pro wrestling appearances, guys, contact Bill Barons at showbiz, S-H-O-W-B-I-S, at AOL.com. For all, we're going to try to do some more comic cons. You guys have anybody wrestling signings, appearances, any of the conventions or comic cons, we're going to try to do more of those here until I'm ready to come back. Be a, Sophie's doing good. Be a little more active here. I had a great time at West Virginia. Thank you for everyone who came out. And uh, show my face again here and start popping up in some more places and uh, get around a little bit of wrestling again and and uh, see how that all goes. Fuelmeals.com. Like I said, 15% with discount code, the big guy. And follow us on social media. Guys, our YouTube channel's finally kicking. We got we got a great guy in charge of that now. Dells, thank you very much, buddy. He's He's doing an amazing job. We're growing the channel finally. We're getting some good content on there. Feedback's been good. We got Ryback TV. It's youtube.com slash channel. If you could throw me a, a subscribe on there, guys, it would be greatly, greatly appreciated on that. And I'm Ryback22 on Twitter and the big guy, Ryback22 on Instagram. Uh, FMM Nutrition on Twitter at CWTBG on Twitter at Feed Me More Nutrition and at Conversation with the Big Guy on Instagram, Ryback247 on Snapchat. You guys have just listened to another episode of Conversation with the Big Guy, Ryback. Thank you and feed me more. With the big guy Ryback. Subscribe, like, rate, comment.